Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. And welcome everyone to the Whitfield Report and our special edition uh, where we've we've been talking about No Time to Die and the uh, Bond franchise in general. I am back here with uh, Mark Hunt, host of the podcast The Apes and uh, podcast. And uh, I think I I got that right, right, Mark? Yep, podcast of The Apes. And then, uh, as always, we have uh, Sean from Real News, uh, Verse Media, and uh, he's here. Let's go. We have all seen uh, 007 at this point, the uh, the No Time to Die. So uh, Mark and I did uh, almost an hour and a half show last week regarding just Bond in general. So if you haven't seen that yet, I advise you guys to check that out uh, after the show. Or if you guys haven't seen uh, No Time to Die yet, I recommend that you go and watch that first because we will be diving into spoilers. Um, But just real quick before we get into uh, the movie, Sean, I didn't get the chance to ask you this, but how did you first get into uh, Bond? That's actually a good question, and there'll be no spoilers for this answer, but I pretty much just grew up on it because of my dad, and I think from what I remember, and it's like one of those weird younger memories that you remember, (coughs) that it's just kind of like an obscure thing, but it is in some ways, I guess, meaningful, was I remember he would put in... Every now and then, I th- I can't remember if it was a VHS or DVD, actually, because I was born in 97, and he would put in the, I think it was just the openings to The World's Not Enough, and I think GoldenEye, I remember the tank scene GoldenEye, but I really remember the boat chase at the beginning of The World's Not Enough, and I think it's just because, oh, kids will like this action and we put in, I don't even remember the rest of the movie. I just remember that because I think that's all I was shown. And that's kind of how I got into it. And fun fact, too, my name is Sean, spelled S-E-A-N. I am actually technically named after Sean Connery. That's how they got the idea for my name. My parents, my dad, one day, trying to think of names for me, he was like, well, what about Sean? Like Sean Connery, James Bond. They liked it. It worked. So I guess you could say I'm named after him. And I've always been a fan, always loved it. It's always just been fun, a part of my life. And I've seen all of them, maybe not the complete, you know, of every film, but I've always seen all of them at some point. And I guess I'd say my bond I grew up with was Brosnan and then Craig at the same time, kind of, but more so Brosnan. Yeah. And then, um, Mark, you actually said that you named your son... Kind of after Q, is yeah. He was he was born in two thousand, so this was right around the time. This was a little bit around the time before Die Another Day, and my son. We were thinking of a name for our second son, and I love. I was like, it's got to be Q, and of course, my wife's like, well, you know, he has to have a real name. You can't just name him after a letter. 
I was like, all right, all right, let's go. And of course, the first Q name that comes up is Quentin. And I was like, okay, everyone's going to think I named him after Quentin Tarantino. And I, I mean, as much as I like Quentin Tarantino, that's just, I'm not going to deal with that for the, and he doesn't want to have to deal with that for the rest of his life. So we settled on Quinn and every, so just, just so I could call him Q and to this and luckily now he's 21 he'll be 22 in april he's an electrician so whenever i need any electrical work done he's always working on it and he's good he works he works on my car a lot so every now and then like i'll walk out in the garage and the brakes are off and something he's fixing it and i'm just kind of walking around like oh how are the brakes on the car q and of course, he then he rolls his eyes. Or last week, he installed on my back deck on my condo one of uh, so um, lights. And I walk out, and he's like, "Dad, uh, I I, I uh, installed these uh, these lights for you." He said they're um, photosensitive lights, and I was like, "Oh, how does that work, Q?" He's like, "Oh well," and he just rolls his eyes again. He's like, "Okay, well, the sun goes down, they come on. The sun comes up, they turn off." I'm like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so I just l- love having him. It's, set up gadgets for me and explain them to me just so I can. So it's, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of grown into his name. And at this time at, at the age 21, he's, he's accepted it. He's, he rolls with it. Sure. Yeah. And, and as he is, and as I'm assuming that he's kind of a bond fan since he. Yeah. My older son can take it or leave it. But, um, my, but Q seems, he, he really enjoys them. We watch them together all the time. And he went with me, we went to the premiere together yeah, we just kind of made a night of it. We went to the IMAX theater in here in Columbus, Ohio, and we went out to dinner. There's an Irish pub in the sh- in the shopping center with the with the theater. So we just kind of went out, and uh, of course, first round of drinks was going to be vodka martini, shaken, not stirred, slice of lemon peel, garnish. So mm-hmm. we uh, we had a few martinis, and then uh, had dinner, and went and saw the movie. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I was going to go see the show on wednesday but i actually had to cancel those advance ticket because the the theater we realized like an hour before the show that it was way farther than we thought so i actually had to change it to the to the thursday show which was still the day before and we you know we got it into a much closer um show but yeah once my mom and i got in there uh she and i always seen bond together uh you know from the beginning with casino royale and uh, it was just, it was kind of surreal, surreal on the the end of an era, so to speak. Um, yeah. So definitely. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just where to start with uh, this, Sean? I I uh, I sent Mark your your message that you sent me last <laughs> night, which I have to say was one of the most hilarious reactions I've uh, I've. <laughs> I've read. Um, but... Well, see, I was texting you too, right? When the like a few minutes after the credits started rolling, or a few seconds, yeah. Because I knew you were the only person I had known who'd seen it and who gave a shit, and so I was like in shock. But I, I as a fan, I knew I'm waiting. I'm not leaving this seat till the end of the credits roll. Because there there could be something very important, very four important words, and sure yeah. enough. Um, and to be clear, if it has been already, these are spoilers, running in deep spoiler territory. And 
uh, my reaction to you, because it was my birthday, and I always see a movie on my birthday, and this was perfectly timed. So I went, and then I, I just text Sam at the end of that. I'm like, what the fuck? They killed Bond. And Sam's like, happy birthday, Shaw. I'm like, fuck my birthday. They killed Bond. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> and then I, as I was sitting there, I you know, hearing all, you know, Louis Armstrong going, then at the very end, it goes black, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And then it shows James Bond will return. I was like, oh, thank God. And that's kind of what I expected to show up to kind of tell people how things were going. But honestly, the movie overall, I don't know how I feel about it uh, because of the ending. I really don't know how I feel about it. There's a lot that I like, but I think personally my feelings will not be fine about this till whatever they do next comes out. I think the quality of this movie weirdly rests on whatever they do next. Yeah. Well, and Mark and I texted back and forth, I think on Thursday, a bit after I saw it and Mark, your reaction was, I asked you what you thought and you said it was mixed and I was, I'm kind of in the same boat. So, um, I guess just kind of start, what do you think were the, for for either of you, what do you think were the high points of the movie? And, you know, what, what do you think they really nailed? For me, seeing the gun barrel at the beginning in its proper place mm-hmm. was a big high note. Um, seeing the Aston Martin, uh, both of them. Yeah. Uh, which the Aston Martin is kind of why it became a, a bit of a, a gearhead to begin with, and Aston Martin is my favorite. Like, if I could own a, there it is. Yep, if I could, if no I, time to die edition, of course. If I could own <laughs> any damaged. vehicle, uh, that would be that would be at the at the Aston Martin DB5. Um, so it was great to see in its in its full glory, uh, doing Bond things, and then. Um, you know the the other the VA I think it is from um, it is from yep. the Living Daylight. Um, yeah, the those two are my favorites um, out of the entire uh, Aston Martin line. So to see those back were really good. Um, so those are like my two big highlight moments, um, and I actually thought this. I actually thought the score was good. I tend to think that Hans Zimmer is a little overused, but he actually did pretty good with the score, I thought. Um, so those are just kind of my high points. Um, what about you guys? The Hans Zimmer score, that was very good. Nice. Well, as far as highlights go? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the first... Two hours, 20, 30 minutes, everything up to the end, I was on board, um, loving it. I mean, I enjoyed the movie a lot, I um, right from the beginning. And then when they introduced, because I knew, I, I had no spoilers, but I did hear that something in the movie was very polarizing with the fans. Um, I, and when it was, when they introduced his daughter... I thought, well, maybe that's it. And mm. the what? And I was enjoy. I was really enjoying the movie. I mean, right up until they got to the island, 
and then I just something inside me is like, man, you know, I am, I really like what I'm seeing, but man, if they kill off Bond, it's really gonna piss me off. If Bond can just survive this movie, this will be up there with like Casino and Skyfall in the Craigs. I mean, I'm thinking this is really good. I was, I'm loving it. I'm totally into yeah. this movie. I'm like, and in the and my first, I've seen it twice so far. I'm thinking if Bond, as long as Bond lives. Maybe they might kill Madeline, and maybe he has to wind up raising a daughter or something. Maybe that's the right up until the actually killed off Bond, and then I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like, and the fact, and I stayed to the very end too. I'm like, I got to see those four words because yeah. if yeah. I don't, I really gonna not be happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't see them ending the series. I mean, and then when those four words came up, I was just kind of like, "Okay, I'm good." I'm good. I'm not happy with the ending of this movie. And what was even crazier, well, first of all, when the credits started rolling, people started getting up and leaving. And I could yeah. hear people talking. And people are like, well, I guess that's it. I guess that's the last James Bond movie. And everyone's leaving. I'm like, no, I don't think it's the last James Bond movie. And then when James Bond will return. And then a few people, you know, nowadays with Marvel, a lot of people stay to the end credits just in case there's yeah. added scenes. And when James Bond will returns, will return pops up i could hear people around me going oh well maybe maybe q teleported him off the island or something maybe everyone just everyone a lot of people non-bond fans were very confused by that mm, thinking yeah. okay well craig's coming back like somehow he survived or something so i, I think there's a, i think that was a again killing off a, a character that's in an ongoing series is going to be confusing anyway um so it's, and I think I made the point in the last episode about this being kind of like the Dark Knight trilogy, where we get the yeah. beginning, middle, and end of Batman. I mean, with this particular Bond, we get the beginning, middle, and end of his career. And um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of people. Yeah, quite literally his ending, too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so, and I, and I don't even also- get me started. Don't even get me started on that. I'll, I'll address that in a minute. There are so many plot holes with that. That's what really irritated me, especially on the second viewing. There's a lot of plot hole with that. Yeah, well, we well we can jump in, into that. I, I'm kind of in the similar boat uh, as you were. My So my two biggest issues were, I mean, obviously the, the death. Uh, I Now, I will say this. I had heard like about... I had heard like about a year and a half ago that there were rumors that they were going to kill Bond off. Yep. That's I allegedly why Danny too, Boyle left. Yeah. And so I and so like I had gone in I had gone into this film and I didn't want to say anything about this last week because I thought, well, maybe it might be a, t- a potential spoiler, but I was kind of like going into this being like, okay, well they might do this. And if they, you know, I'm hoping they don't, but if they do, I'm curious to see how they pull it off. And um, I will say that, like, as far as death scenes go, it wasn't the worst that I've I've seen as far as, like, killing off titular characters. It was it was better than what they did in the Star Wars movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm still pissed off at the way 
they killed off both Han Solo and, and Luke, but, that, but that's a whole nother discussion for another time. Um, my biggest, my biggest problem other than the death was I really felt let down by uh, the Siphon character. And mm. my mom and I were both talking afterwards and she's like, so what exactly was his, was his purpose? I was, I was, con- she was, this was her talking to her. She's like, I'm confused by, by that. Like, what was this guy even supposed to, supposed to be doing? It seems like he almost wanted to kind of be like a good guy, but then like, uh, like how did he go from wanting to kill Spectre to wanting to sell the Great nerve question. gas like like yeah. yeah the whole time his motivation was to destroy specter kill blofeld and it's exactly what he did he got exactly what he wanted and so then the leap to i'm gonna kill everybody as many people as i can even when bond confronts him on the island and asks him he's like why are you doing this he gives this insane answer he's just kind of rambling on about the i want to be the god and get under their skin little and all this kind of crap where i'm just like okay this makes no sense whatsoever why do you want to why are you doing this like you 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 literally achieved your goal you got your revenge what what next See, I think I know what they were going for but it wasn't clear and i think that's the problem is i think after he got his revenge, which made sense. And I thought that was an interesting having that sort of third party element to the Spectre versus MI6 action. I think what he made the leap of was like, oh, shoot, if I can get rid of these people, I can get rid of other bad people. Kind of like, where do I go next with this technology, this virus, these, this COVID um, and see what I can deal with it? That's how I kind of interpreted it. But it, it was not clear because I was sitting there wondering, too, like, why is he going all like big mastermind evil plan on everything? But I think he acted him well. I just think the character was kind of weak and mostly just didn't have enough screen time. Like, I think that's really the problem is that there just wasn't enough of him. He's almost shoved off to the side and it's like, you almost forget he's in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, I I kind of like, I knew he was there, but he didn't seem important, which in some ways is okay because it focuses more on bond and um, his love and his daughter, but it just doesn't quite work for multiple reasons. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you go back to Dr. No, the movie that's, and you see Dr. No right here. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, the movie's called Dr. No, but if you calculate the screen time, Doctor No's not really in the movie that much. He might be yeah. in the movie maybe five minutes at most, but he at least carries a presence in it, and I he does a stunning job. And right. oddly enough, though, there was a rumor that Safin was actually going to be Doctor No in this movie. I remember that rumor was going around for a while. Mm. Yeah, um, I remember that too. But well, that's something that's also confusing. Is like it starts off with the when the credits start at the beginning, you get the circles like in Doctor No. Um, like in the opening titles of that. And I thought, oh, so he is Dr. No. And then you see his lair and you're like, oh, he really is. And then it's like, he's not. And I'm like, is he his son or something? Like, it felt like they were teasing something that wasn't there. Yeah. And then I also feel like the other thing, too, and I, I actually, 
So I watched On Her Majesty's Secret Service last night, um, as both both of you know, because you saw my Facebook post. But I also um, went back and watched uh, Quantum of Solace, which is the worst uh, Craig Bond movie, still in my opinion, because supposedly there was supposedly like some sort of thing referencing Mr. White from Quantum of Solace. And I'm like, I didn't catch any anything. And I, I feel like I feel like they've kind of overplayed the Mr. White thing with uh with Craig's bond a bit, like even after his death. I know that Madeline is his daughter, but I feel like that kind of plot point was just kind of wedged in there around Spectre. Um, I don't, I don't know. It, it, I feel kind of like the villain hierarchy of this entire series is kind of been a little weird. Well, it seems like everything comes back to Mr. White and I'm like, I, I get it. It kind of, it works enough, but I think what they were more trying to do here is tie up all loose ends and fix Spectre, which I think they actually did well yeah. and conclude it. And I think that's. You know, we'll dive into the ending a little bit later because that's a freaking massive discussion. But I think that's how you need to approach this film is that this is supposed to be like this five movie arc with Craig. That's its own little thing that I won't call an experiment, but it's kind of like, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like, well, what if we had an origin, the middle and the end to Bond? And that's what this is. Yeah, it kind of felt epic. This whole entire series is kind of like an episodic, uh, almost kind of like a TV show that takes place mm-hmm. over that takes place over 15 years. But, um, you know, uh, you know, that's a whole, you know, that's that's the other thing is Craig's been bond for so long and to continue a, you know, story line for this long is pretty impressive. Um, you know, usually like I think the Dark Knight trilogy like took place like over eight years you know roughly Mm -hmm. and they and they wrapped it up pretty pretty quickly but yeah i mean i think seven i feel like there was a lot that they could have done but they just i feel like they were trying to make him into the javier bardem villain but they just they they didn't for whatever reason Um, i thought it was i did like they tied in to Madeline's story she told Inspector. Because Inspector, she tells the story about when she's a little girl and the man comes to their house and she goes under the sink where they keep the bleach and the gun. And they sh- they tell that story at the beginning of No Time to Die. Right. So much so that you see her opening the cabinet and you see her, you see the bleach and you see the gun. And for half a second, I was like, oh, that's how he scarred up his face. Maybe she throws the bleach in his face or something, mm. and and she shoots him with the gun, but that didn't go anywhere. But um, so we got to see. So I thought that was a nice tie. I did like that little tie-in with Spectre that he was the one that she was talking about, Inspector, as far as the the man that came to their house and tried to kill them. But yeah. and, you know, but Safin, I don't know. I just I I thought you know Rami Malek did okay. I didn't think he was. Yeah, he was definitely no, no Mads Mikkelsen or Harvey Bardem. 
but definitely better than Dominic Green. So. Oh yeah, sir. Certainly. Uh, you know, yet Dominic. And I mean, I would say too. Un- unfortunately, he he was better than Blofeld him- himself. I uh, you know, which is. Yeah, Blofeld though, I I just feel was just so. I mean, as much as I like Christoph Waltz, and I thought he did a fine job. You know, I thought he did a little better than this. He just he was not. He just wasn't you. They just didn't know how to write for him. Yeah, well, I also that was the other thing that kind of confused me too was um was you know he he keeps like bringing this whole thing like oh you know Madeline's big secret will be well it'll be it'll be the death of you you know and he keeps bringing that up in Spectre and then again in um you know in No Time to Die and I'm thinking I'm like okay so is is Sappin supposed to be that secret because well in if, no time to die i think her, her the secret was that she had a kid i don't know how mm. he knew that i took it that he knew that bond had a kid and that the moment you find out that's going to kill you that you broke up with because he's kind of set he he hinted that he set it up so that bond would not trust madeline and they would break up and somehow he found out that he knew that she was pregnant and that the that that was a secret because at the beginning remember at the beginning she's she's telling him I've got a secret to tell you, assuming it's she's pregnant. And when they're in the car, you know, he thinks it's because that she's still with Spectre. So when they're in the Aston Martin and they're like, you know, shooting up the the windows and everything, he says something about, you know, everyone's got a secret. We we just hadn't didn't get to yours yet. Right. It's true. It was that she was pregnant and he assumed it was something else. And so that when he puts her on the train and she's leaving, if you look closely, she kind of puts her hand on her stomach. Oh. Yeah. And she takes off. So I'm assuming that's what Blofeld was talking about. That was the secret that was going to kill him, or kill him would would be uh would would be that he basically split up the woman he loved, which of course enraged Bond. And they then go and do the uh, if you've read You Only Live Twice the novel. In that novel, spoilers for a novel fifty some odd years ago, but that's the novel in the books where Bond kills Blofeld. And he kills yeah. Blofeld by strangling him and saying, die, Blofeld, die. And he kills yeah. him. And Blofeld is the one that has the, the the poison garden on the island. He goes to the island to kill Blofeld. And he just basically strangles him. So when they were doing that in the movie, I thought it was kind of a cool tie-in. But then he mm. let go. And he walked away. But yet somehow that act still killed Blofeld. So that was a kind of nice well, be- tie-in to the books. Yeah, well, because he, ha- he has the nanite poison which actually don't start me on that nanite poison that was that was a i did you one of the little sticking points with me i just it was, this movie <laughs> yeah. was a little more fantastical than all the other ones this one they really kind of which i don't mind the little uh dash of sci-fi little fantasy technology in my bond but it didn't i don't know that was that was uh, at times i don't think it was very well used in this movie well that's well, the thing I... with craig's too is they're so in many ways inconsistent not in terms of just quality but like casino royale is just literally bond and m there's no q there's no gadgets nothing and then quantum of solace is it's quantum of solace it's, it's a lot of things and then skyfall i think had the best balance of everything it brings back everybody that should be in it and it has some gadgets that are smart and make sense and modernized but with this sort of traditionalness to it. Um, and then Spectre, 
kind of carries that over. Maybe goes a little further. And then this one is by far the most gadget heavy, most sci-fi, which I don't mind that at all either. It's just it's so weird how his movies are just kind of all over the place, which it shows, I think, part of the problem with his is kind of what Star Wars had, too, but to much greater detriment, different directors and maybe not a clear vision for this. Like, I don't know when this idea of killing off Bond ever started. Um, I know that's why Danny Boyle quit. That makes sense now. But even I went into this, I didn't even think about that. I be honest, I never thought about it because I completely forgot about it. And then when the moment was coming, I was like, no way. Because they make it clear what happens. There's no like, oh, you don't see a body. Oh, we don't know about that. No, it's clear. But in yeah, terms of positive. Mm-hmm. Notice Q behind him because some people thought he survived. The, as soon as it happens behind Q, um, they cut to him. They, he has on a, a digital readout behind him of Nomi and Bond, their smart blood. Mm. And he's got their um, biorhythm, all their uh, all their readouts of their heart rate and everything. And as soon as that explosion happens, if you look, all of Bond's go to zero. So he clear. Mm. They're they're definitely saying, yeah, he died. Well, at least they did that. It's a nice little touch. But I will say too, and, and going back to positive, the things that I instantly liked about this, other than the sound, music, cinematography, probably. I won't say the best, but it definitely makes a strong argument of any of them. I think Skyfall with, um, oh God, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. I love cinematographer for that. Um, who also did Blade Runner 2049, a bunch of others. Roger that, Deacons? Yeah, Deacons. Yeah. yeah, Roger Deacons. I think that's still the best. I would put this number two in terms of cinematography. I thought the action was pretty good. I like that one shot near the end. Always a big fan of those long one takes. And... I, I think the story overall does work pretty well. The characters are good. I just think, again, I could start seeing some plot holes, too, that I bet in in second, third, fourth viewings I'll see more. And that's kind of where my problems start. Um, because I don't... Maybe I missed it, but is it ever explained how Blofeld is controlling everything from his jail cell? No. That was that was another thing I questioned. So... Yeah. Yeah. When they had the party... They're walking around with the eye. All right. Somehow that's obviously Blofeld doesn't have an eye. So that's how Blofeld's watching them. So are they saying, obviously, after he was arrested, did they, is he watching on a monitor or is it implanted in his head? Like, I'm not, I understand that Blofeld's watching using the eye, but I'm not sure how he's watching it. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm assuming they did, they, they, they didn't go into his head and, and, and implant something while he was in custody. Because he was under maximum security, because he, but somehow, I don't know. But and obviously he wouldn't have had like a tablet or something so he could watch. So I wasn't quite sure how Blofeld was using that eye to look at things. And but then the the one character Primo, the one that Bond called Cyclops, he had mm-hmm. one too. So at times I was getting confused whose eye was looking at what. Yeah, and what at some point did. Primo have Blofeld's eyes so that he was like a kind of an avatar for Blofeld. But yeah, so that that whole thing with the eye and how Blofeld was running things, that really confused me. Even after second viewing, I was like, okay, I'm not sure how this is, what I'm supposed to know from this. That that was kind of how I, that was kind of how I interpreted things. Um, But 
you know, again, like you're you're right with the whole max max security prison thing. I w- I was kind of like hoping I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, like Mr. White said, we have people everywhere. So I, I was I mean, I would even even settled for something like, yeah, we found out that, you know, there was a guard or something that was on Blofeld's, you know, payroll or something like that, that would have at least like explained, you know, that like. Yeah, he had an in inside the prison or or something like that. But no, there was nothing. And then I'm like, is, you know, is Madeline like feeding him information secretly? Like, I thought maybe that was the secret that would have killed, uh, you know, that would have killed Bond. Something, uh, you know, something like that, maybe. But mm. they, they didn't really... They didn't really explore any any of that, and um, well, it's just not even explained, and that's what is weird to me is that it's just like, oh my god, how is he controlling everybody from his own cell? We're gonna check everything out, and then they don't find anything. They don't explain. He just dies, and then that's the end of it. I'm like, I, I was he pre-recording a message, or was it somebody else impersonating him? Like, it just made no sense, and I I don't understand why that wasn't explained at all because that seems like such an obvious thing and the other thing that doesn't make sense too is when Safin has his daughter and he's like you can come with me and I'll protect you or you can just go and she just freaking goes and he doesn't even like I thought what was going to happen and I think this would have been really good she starts walking off then you, you know it goes off bit and you hear bang and he has like the gun or something like kills her cold blood that would have been something like, whoa. You know, that I think is what they should have done. But no, she just like goes. That's it. And here's the thing with the daughter. There was one scene. This, I, 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 even on the second viewing, they, um, Bond meets the daughter. They, they, uh, the next, uh, the next morning, they're all in the what, a Range Rover or something. Is I think, it the mosquitoes? Yeah. Yeah. And she says something about, I've got a mosquito bite. It's so and fucking random. Says, it was yeah, and then she goes, then she, and then I did she find another one? Because then she sees another one. She says, "Oh, do mosquitoes have friends?" And she said, "No." And so in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Oh, she's infected with something." Yeah. And then later, he she bites Safin. I'm like, "Okay, did she just infect him with something? Like, are they setting something? Are they laying breadcrumbs or something?" But nothing. Nothing. Well, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of. Well, I wrote that off as you know. Little kids say stuff. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it was just so random, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, yeah. And, and they addressed it twice. She says she's found one mosquito bite. She makes a comment. And then she said some. I thought, I assumed she found another one. And she said, oh, do, do mosquitoes have friends? And her mom just kind of laughs and says, oh, I don't think so. Like, I okay, think it's what's... supposed to be metaphoric or some sort of symbolism. But it's yeah. very clumsy how it's done mm. i it almost feels like this movie like i i will say i like long movies so i like that this is long but it still kind of feels like that either stuff was cut or something because like i said villain doesn't have a lot of screen time which can work and not work but it feels like there was should have been a little bit more explained things and there's just random things that aren't explained that are kind of important or kind of maybe not important but still may get you confused it almost feels like things are cut out of us. Well, here's um, the most the most confusing thing of the entire movie 
that pretty much is that that irritates me about the death of Bond. And second viewing, I still couldn't figure it out. What's the big deal at the end? What's the urgency? They have the island. They have all the chemicals are in the in the bunker. The chemicals aren't going anywhere. Safin's leaving the island. Bond gets his family. They, they're on the boat. The Americans and the Japanese are coming. I got that. And if I'm thinking, if Bond just got off in the boat, he would be fine. Mm-hmm. And then when, but then M is calling him. He says, well, what do I tell the Americans and the Japanese? And he's like, tell them nothing. And he goes back in to open the door so they can shoot missiles. But I'm like, tell them nothing. What you do is you get your ass off the island. You call the Americans, the, the Russians, the Japanese. You call everybody and say, hey, there is a terrorist organization with weapons of mass destruction on this island. And there is a freaking, uh, there is uh, germs and uh, that will kill everybody on this planet. We need to seal this off, send people in and destroy this because it will kill all of us. I, I didn't quite get the secrecy. I didn't understand why, because it wasn't like these were launching or anything. Mm. They he had to open the door so they could shoot the missiles in, but then the door shut, and then Q tells him, "Well, the missiles are just going to bounce off the blast doors if we don't open them again." I'm like, "Okay, so what? You just load up more missiles? Like nothing's going to happen?" I didn't quite get why the chemicals had to be destroyed right that minute, enough that Bond is sacrificing his life to do it, when all you had to do was get off the island and say, "All right, my job's done. I've saved my family." You guys go in there. You guys need to tear, destroy these because everyone will die. The chemicals weren't going. Sathan was leaving. He was getting mm. on boats and leaving. So unless there was something I missed, I did not get why Bond had to sacrifice himself to destroy the chemicals that moment. Didn't Sathan go back to like open the, the blast doors though? And that was why. Exactly. So what? Yeah, he went to clo- close them because Bond opened them. And then, Bo- and then all of a sudden Sathan goes back and closes them again. If Bond hadn't opened them, he probably wouldn't have gone back to shut him again. And it wasn't like, so if Safin went back anyway, okay, what's he going to do? Is he? It wasn't like he was unleashing the chemicals on anyone. He was just shutting the doors and killing Bond. So I, again, I didn't quite, unless I missed something, I didn't quite get the urgency at the end that the chemicals had to be destroyed right then and there. Mm. And it's not like, I, 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 and why you had to keep it a secret from the Americans or the Americans are going to do anything. I mean, you know, you I, at that point, I was like, guys, be honest. Let everybody know there's a, you know, there's a biohazard on this island of epic proportion. We need to all get together, go in and destroy this stuff. Because again, it what the, the chemicals weren't going anywhere. They were just sitting there. Right. I mean, it was. Yeah. That was the biggest. I mean, until I figured that out, seeing it a second time, it just pissed me off even more. The bonds. Because they did it just, and then of course, then my other big thing at the end was the the, the screenwriters felt the need to do um, this fantasy Disney like magical curse, where Bond can never see be with the woman or the child he loves. He calls up Q and he's like, Q, you know, I've been infected. What can I do? And Q, rather than saying, "Oh, just get off the island. We'll come. We'll do something. We'll see if we can come up with a cure," he's like, "No, it's permanent bond. It's eternal." And I'm like, okay, you're not even going to try. I mean, mm. in the day of COVID and and social distancing from your loved ones, he can't even do that for. He's like, he's got to just give up and die. I'm like, you know, you don't. It's I don't understand if they're nanites or nanobots. Why an electrical electromagnetic pulse isn't going to destroy them because they're essentially just robots? But 
it just seemed like he didn't like okay can you at least try and get a cure i q just made it see oh no it's permanent sorry like they went out of their way to set up this no win scenario for bond where it's like okay try at least well what i think would have been better and this is what i think maybe it kind of but kind of doesn't answer the urgency question which i didn't know so you mentioned is a good point is so when he realizes he's infected he's also getting he's also shot like a bunch of times and i think at that point bond's kind of like okay i'm gonna die one way you know missiles or not i'm probably gonna die and so that's where I thought, okay, that's why he sacrificed himself. But with the virus part, that's what doesn't make sense because I get that, okay, maybe there's no cure. And so I thought, well, he's probably then saying, well, even if I do survive, which is unlikely since how many times he's been shot, then I won't be able to see my loved one. So there's no point in living. So fuck it, I'll just die but if that was the case why couldn't they have just said we can find a cure bond we'll we'll figure it out and he just goes no there's no point in living if i can't you know see her for whatever i mean i think it just went they got into a corner is ultimately the problem with the ending is it gets into a weird corner that i honestly think there's no good way to get out of it except a happy ending hey bond wins doesn't die like every bond movie and we go on to the next adventure yeah maybe it would have been better his daughter died i think or his i think they just didn't want to have the girl die because that's been done to death no pun intended so i think actually having maybe the daughter die would have been more interesting i i don't know i just think i see what they're going for but i still think it's a situation where okay Bond's going to die because he can't be with the woman and the child he loves. So how do we get to that point? Yeah. So then they worked from that point and went backwards and we're like, okay, well, let, we got to do something so that he can never be physically around them. Oh, well, the virus targets them. So it's the catch at the end is going to be, he can never, you know, he'll be infected and he can never, because after he gets shot up, he he's climbing out. He wants to get out of there because he calls Q and asks him, he says, what can we do? He's like, there's a cure, right? And he even asks you the very question, what can we do? And that's when Q is like, nope, sorry, Bond. It's permanent. Sorry, it's eternal. Whatever that means. Yeah. And, and I like how Bond gives so up. I'm like, dude, you should that. not, do, whatever you do, don't work a suicide hotline. <laughs> well, and in like, in even Q's reaction to, to Bond being infected, I thought was like, was very uncue. Like, I mean, I get that he's a scientist, and scientists are supposed to be like clinical about things. But even so, it kind of felt like he should have been like, "Oh, you know, well, well, we'll try and find, you know, a cure, you know, for yours or something." And you know, yeah, he was, he was just kind of like. He was kind of like, yeah, you're pretty much fucked. And he and... uses the word, he uses the word eternal. That bugged me. Because I'm like, what scientist is going to use that flowery language? He was just like, yeah. oh no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's there permanently. It's eternal. Whatever that, that means. That, that, made, that, made, that makes me think of uh, actually Norm MacDonald's joke that uh, I'm pretty sure if you get cancer, the cancer dies too. 
if you if you i i was i was kind of like yeah that was kind of what i thought of i'm like so wait this these nanites are more deadly than than cancer or something i i was i was kind of hoping that um i mean at least like it would have been it would have so sucked that they would have killed off bond i would have preferred that like Bond actually like physically die in battle uh, mm-hmm. with um, Saffin or or something. Well, I think uh-huh. the problem too with this is he doesn't die from like this is what would have made it. I think they could have gotten away with this more is if it was a somebody who was an even match to him or better. Instead, it's this random dude that has a coronavirus that he's trying to infect with relatives and you know he, he doesn't like he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's too physical if you know what i mean like this bond is very physical very strong very muscular so you think well this guy's either got to outsmart him with his brain or be stronger than him and that's how he dies Instead, it's like he's not really either of those things. Like, Safin isn't really that smart. I mean, I guess maybe it's because he killed Spectre when nobody else could. But how he kills Bond is by just, like, surprise, bang, 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 and then hits him over the head with the virus. Like, he doesn't seem like an even match is what I'm trying to say, that it doesn't well, come look off at right. Well, Solace, that end scene where Bond or Daniel buff Daniel Craig is fighting that scrawny little Dominic Green. I'm like, <laughs> okay, first of all, one punch, you would have taken him out. There's no way Dominic Green is going to last in that fight <laughs> two or three minutes. One punch, and that guy would have he would have dropped him. But you know, they like whatever. Let's, let's try and make it look real. But yeah. I think honestly, I, but I will say I don't think Safin wanted to kill him. I think he wanted him to suffer. I think he wanted he infected yes. him with him. I think he was wanting him to go the rest of his life without being able to see his wife and kid. I think he would have been much happier for him to, for that. Cause at that point bond, I mean, he was shot up, but I think he could have gotten away and lived. Um, he, he knew he was dead. He knew bond had the gun. So that was his, and he knew that as soon he was probably going to, chances are he was going to kill him and go open the blast doors and get out of there. And Saffin's last little last screw you is like, okay, well, if you're going to get out of this alive, I'm going to make sure you can never touch them again. I, I think he assumed he was going to live and not die. And, um, and then, and then Bond just blew him away. Um, so I think, you know, so I, I kind of appreciate that aspect of it, but Mm. I, the one thing I, I I, just, at the end of the day, the one thing I don't need to see in a James Bond movie is James Bond dying. I mean, that's, it comes down to that for me. I just, I just like, as much as I didn't need to say, see han solo die or anything like that with but you know when they killed off han solo you're like okay well that's it han solo's dead they're not they're not doing it and you know they can do go back and do solo star wars story but that's it you can't reset that clock with james bond it's like we know the clock's getting reset the story's getting reset it's almost like why bother doing it because now whenever i sit down and i take out that craig box set and i sit down and i start watching them in order i'm like this is the one where Bond dies. Like, this mm. is the Bond that Bond dies. And it, it, it kind of just, for me, as as much as I loved 85% of the No Time to Die, it's always going to be the one where Bond dies at the end. 
and not yeah. in a great way, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I even I even know I even noticed that like watching Quantum of Solace last night because Green makes the comment like everything he touches like withers and dies. So like part of part of me was kind of like. So wait, were they always planning this in the in like? I don't think so. I don't I think, they think were making this up as they go. I well, I yeah, I don't think, I don't think so either. But it does kind of beg the question now, kind of knowing how all, how all how it all ends, and like there were there were other situations like in the other films where like Bond should have died, and he and he did it. I guess my biggest issue was, I mean, obviously the fact he died was an issue, but I, I don't even feel like they gave him, they gave him like that, that good of, good of a death, um, you know, if, if they, if they had to. Um, well, somebody on Reddit had a good way of putting this, which is, this is too much about Craig and not enough about Bond. And I think that's kind of the problem here is that i get it his is continuous okay fine but like you know mark's just saying we don't need to kill him because if 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 we do then that means okay franchise is done which it's not gonna be makes too much money it's iconic it's legendary it's gonna go on forever and they confirmed it the the credits the end credits they they flat out say bond's coming back yeah we'll return in the same movie, just minutes later after his death. Yeah, well, and so then the, that's why I came out confused. I'm like, that sounds like a gut punch, but then I'm like, but he's coming back. So, like, what am I supposed to feel? <laughs> confused? So, yeah. So a lot so, of people are. A lot of people will be. So, I mean, I guess one of my biggest issues, kind of not just, not just with No Time to Die, but really kind of with Craig's whole series in general was the fact that it was chronological i i i get it for uh casino royale and and quantum Mm. i i I get that casino royale was um you know it was bond's origin story obviously he didn't have the gadgets and everything um and whatnot and whatnot so i i understood that and then quantum i was kind of like okay well that you know they're going to kind of wrap up everything with um you know vesper and that whole thing the fact that they like kind of dragged you know that whole storyline throughout all the movies instead of just like allowing skyfall to kind of be its own individual story and you go from there i was kind of like it's kind of like uh, yeah it's I've, weird because you have five movies you have casino royale his origin story because quantum is basically origin story part two i mean they're they're almost they take place within hours of each other and mm. then you and that's he becomes 007 your next movie skyfall he's already talking about well i guess we're played out you know the end of my career he's already the old dog new tricks they they hit you over the head that he's now at the end of his career. I'm like, what? What? You just became 007, and you're already talking about how you're, and and then Spectre and No Time to Die are basically two. I mean, by the end of Spectre, he's quit already. And so you really, it's like with Craig, you really never got to see him as James Bond. You know, just here's your assignment, 007, go out and save the world. 
it was mm. always kind of like a not kind of a soap opera almost because it everything every mission every every movie is almost something personal um you know he's protecting him with silva and then specter of course it's oberhauser slash blofeld's after him and then by the end of the movie he quits walks away of course he quit at the beginning of skyfall as well so bond's constantly as soon as he becomes 007 he's quit again <laughs> and off in hiding so i think that's one of the reasons why at the end of no time to die it's like what we're gonna assume he's dead again and he's gonna go off and retire somewhere so they kind of mm. dipped into that well quite a few times i someone on Someone on one of the Reddit threads I saw they had an interesting theory, which was that Craig's entire saga, and this doesn't make this doesn't really make sense to me at all. But from what I've heard a few people say, they're like Craig's entire saga is Madeline explaining it to their daughter and kind of like how I'm in in a sort of like how I met your mother uh, style of things, and I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, eh, that's a real stretch. Um, I, I have no, there's no way when they wrote Casino Royale all the way back then that in their mind is like, oh, this is going to be at the end of the day in 15 years, we're going to reveal that this is actually, you know, Bond's widow and his Mm. daughter telling a story. There's no way they had that planned out. That was I guarantee it was just something they threw in at the last minute when writing this script. Oh, yeah. Well, the the other thing, too, was... So, my theory originally, when the trailers first came out, was... They, because they were implying that this was going to be a remake of... Um, that this was kind of going to be Craig's version of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I remember reading that the original plan wasn't to kill off Tracy at the end of On Her Majesty's. I remember reading that the original plan for the sequel was they were going to kill off uh, Tracy in the beginning of the falling film Mm -hmm. and then have it be Bond's revenge story. But for but for whatever reason, Lesenby didn't. sign on which i can't i forgot to ask you last time mark you might know this better than i would but did last get fired from bond or did he quit the friend no he quit he quit he was signed up the movie came out and did really well and their intentions were to film another movie and they were they were he was they they came to him and said okay but we want to do diamonds are forever and he just walked away he said i don't want to do it and yet he ended up dating uh Jill St. John or something. I, ironically, later I remember. I, re- I remember reading. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, they're going to do, they're going to do on Her Majesty's like in the proper way. I, I thought I thought Tracy was going to get killed off in Italy, um, and that w- and so it was going to be like Bond's revenge. I did too. I thought. I thought Madeline, I would have sworn Madeline's probably going to die in the opening. Well, before, until the trailer came out, because once the trailer came out, they showed that scene right. with her and Blofeld later. So I said, well, maybe she's in it more. Because I just assumed, yeah, she was going to die at the beginning. And But yeah, they, they they really wanted this to be Craig's Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, they had the instrumental of the love song playing in the Italy mm-hmm. scene. They had when Bond and M kind of patched things up 
and kind of get on the same page together. They're standing on the banks of the Thames. They play the theme song from Honor yeah. Majesties. And then, at, of course, at the end, they re, you know, much like the the end scene of Honor Majesties, you see the, the Aston Martin driving along the, 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 the shoreline. And, but it's, it's, you know, Madeline and Matilda and they flat out play the Louis Armstrong song. So, I mean, they really were really trying to hit everyone over the head with the on her majesty's connection. That's another that. Okay. The M thing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing that I also had a real issue with was with this was with this M because apparently he's the one who comes up with the with like the the nanite virus. Well, I mean, he didn't come up with the virus, but yeah, he helped found the project, the Heracles project. And they, he helped, he was in charge of it. And he, like, they wanted to come up with the perfect assassin that would only target one person, so-and-so and so-and-so. And and it was never intended to fall into the wrong hands, which, you know, like every other Bond movie, the MacGuffin was never intended to be in the wrong hands, but you know, that's, that's what makes a Bond movie. But, um, yeah, and then, yeah, it was kind of weird how they, yeah, it, it was, I don't know if they were trying to make us mistrust him, to think maybe he's a Spectre agent or something. I don't know if that's what they were going for. They were definitely trying to sow those kind of seeds. But then, well, you know, at the end of the day, they they patched it up. Well, and it kind of flies in the face, too, of everything in Spectre, because in Spectre, his whole thing is, no, technology technology you know isn't always the best we need a man we need like a man in the field and that's why we still need the, the double o right. section and that was kind of his whole thing and you know inspector which yep. was which i thought was you know specter has a lot of flaws but that was not one of them i was kind of like that was one of the strong points and then i i remember i i, I watched specter the night before i saw this one so it was so Spectre was in the was fresh in my mind and so when Q did that I'm like but wait that you said in the earlier film like that flies in the face of your whole philosophy about like needing the double O section in in the first place so I guess he um, he didn't want he didn't want uh, the government to be able to peek in at everybody through the Nine Eyes program so he didn't want all that surveillance but it is okay to develop a, a virus that can target individual people or groups of people and just wipe them out. Apparently, didn't that he, he can sleep at night with that one? Yeah, and then also like also like how they made like the subtle nods that like you know his judgment was impaired because he's an alcoholic. I'm like oh I'm like I'm like well, that, oh. I thought that I'm was like, just Bond being like. Yo, yeah, pussy at him. I thought it was kind of yeah. That's why I yeah. took it that way too. Yeah, I, I I took it that way too. But I also kind of felt like I took it that way. But I also feel like okay, are they going to go somewhere with that or you mm. know? And then the other thing too is this is the only bond as far as I know, and unless there's because I know Mark and I have both read the books, and um, as far as I know, Mallory is the only M we know of that like we actually know his real name and whatnot right no we... no that's um if you read the books bernard lee 
from the early movies. His name yeah. is Admiral Miles Messervy. And that's from the books. In Spy Who Loved Me, when they meet, they meet in the pyramid and he meets with General Gogol, he calls him Miles. So that kind of confirms that he's Admiral Miles Messervy from the books. There's a theory, then the, the, the M after that would be Robert Brown, who was in four of the movies, Octopussy to License to Kill. He appears in Spy Who Loves Me as Admiral Hargreaves. The theory is that, yeah. that when he came around, that Admiral Hargreaves, when that M left, he got promoted to M. So a lot of people think, okay, that M, his name's Admiral Hargreaves. At the end of Skyfall, people have, have uh, that there's that little box that Money Penny gives uh, Bond at the end. Oh, of, there's a dog in it. It has the little, has the, uh, has the oh, little dog go. in it. <laughs> and uh, if you, people have zoomed in on the box, and I think, I can't remember the name, it has her name on it. So we kind of know her name because if you there you if you look at the front of the box people br- bring it up and it's it ends with the letter m and i can't it's slipping my mind right now what her name is but so we kind of know their names and uh, and speaking of all the previous m's um there's that shot in the movie where you see judy dench's po- portrait yeah and i and then the you yeah, i like that and then they cut over and of all bo- robert brown who was m in the four bonds his pictures in there too because i'm yeah. looking up and i'm like oh my gosh that's robert brown he was only in four movies but they got his picture up it was a nice little nod to him i did I like, like that. The, i did like the nod to to uh jamaica and to golden eye yes. and mm-hmm. and uh fleming's uh, i don't know if that was if that was like an exact writ recreation but i've seen no, that both. was the exact house that was the house you can if you've got the the money you can go to goldeneye and you can stay in that house and that was the actual ian fleming house that's awesome wow yeah um well see so you mentioned jamaica and it makes me think of something else we gotta dive into which is the female 007 which, when I first heard the news about that, I thought, oh, fuck, this movie's going to be woke, it's going to be shit. But I was so, I kind of heard the argument that, well, she's not going to be a female James Bond, she's just going to be 007. And I'm like, okay, but I thought you couldn't do that. I And I could be wrong on this because I don't know the lore that well, but I always thought the agent has their code number and that's theirs. Because it's never, to my knowledge in the movies at least, ever been like, oh, 006 and Goldeneye? Oh, he's also like this person, this movie. I don't think that's happened before. And so I thought it was a little forced, but it didn't bother me that much in this movie. I just thought it was unnecessary in some ways. But it was kind of like, okay, he's got a replacement. I get it. Which I thought was fine. That didn't bother me because they didn't go like, oh, well, I'm a female and I kick ass and I'm better than you. It was more just like, no, nah, I'm your replacement, you know, mm-hmm. and we're competing. And she wasn't perfect either. That was the other thing. It's like some of these movies, sometimes they go out of their way to say, oh, the, the you know, she, when, when they decide to be woke, that, yeah. you know, she, she is, she knows better than Bond and she's better than Bond. And I did like the fact that they kind of made her, she, she wasn't as experienced. She, she did, you know, Bond got one on her 
he grabbed the scientist, got away from her, yeah, stole her yeah. plane, and in the end, she kind of she came around and she says, "This guy yeah. has a lot to teach me." So much so that she gave up the 007 number, which I thought was kind of cute. I like that because I like too. Like you make a point, which is that he's still better than her, which is mm-hmm. makes sense. Number one, and that's in line with the characters. So that's where again. Because some people are still saying it's a woke movie. I don't think so. No. I think it's because of stuff like this, where it didn't cross that path and go, the woman's a Mary Sue like Ray and can fly to Millennium Falcon and use the Force and a lightsaber and everything and has no training. No, she's a real human being and is new to this, um, which makes it work. Uh, the only other thing that I thought was a little random is why is Q gay? Because they make it subtle. Which didn't bother me, but it's like, I, why? Why? Is... I think just because the actor, because I, I knew the actor that plays in Ben Wishaw, I know he's gay, gay. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that was the only reason. I mean, it wasn't, and I mean that didn't bother me either, just because I mean, since Skyfall, Hughes never really struck me as a ladies' man anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the way he acts. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I just was like, okay, <laughs> it was like kind of no Makes surprise sense. there, but um. <laughs> Which is fine. I didn't didn't bother me. I love. I actually. I really like the actor. And I I love the character. Our um, yeah. yeah, same. And it was Our, and like you said. It wasn't. They didn't hit you over the head with it. It was just. A, it was just. They slipped a line in, and didn't make a huge deal of it. Anyway. Yeah. I was pretty much fine. It just took me out for a second. I was like, oh, of course, you know, they just had to do it. But it it was subtle enough and just not in your face that it I was fine with it um but and of course if you want bond not so subtle gay uh reference go back to diamonds are forever with mr wint and mr kid boy they yeah oh my what God. They, did, they were doing back in the day <laughs> yeah even as a kid i was like do those guys like each other dad <laughs> 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 it just was that was really odd those that was woke before woke was a thing you could argue <laughs> but yeah um, I, I was that was the one thing i do like is that a lot of the two the easter eggs if you could even call them or the callbacks for the most part are subtle for the most part because i hate when they're so on the nose but with this one like the circles from dr no it's fairly subtle and mm-hmm. You know, the cars, I guess, a bit more obvious, but I do like that they use that V8 Aston because the Dalton Bonds, you could argue, were kind of Craig before Craig. Yeah, oh, they, no doubt. They were, yeah. they, were, they, were ahead, they were ahead of their time. Which makes um, sense to use that. And it's kind of like that's not one that gets, I don't think it's ever been used since those, which I thought was cool instead of going, oh, here's the DB5 again. You don't remember it, that. And it, the Aston Martin has the exact number plate. If you go back and watch uh, Living Daylights, it's the exact same number plate. Oh, that's good. That's a good detail. Yeah, and and the other thing I like too is uh, is that Aston Martin is the one that Craig gets from that like from that uh, drug deal or whatever in Casino Royale, right? He. He wins the ass. You know, here's my thing. Going back and watching that, now that you say that, I always, I'm always, I'm assuming it is, except in Casino Royale, the Aston Martin is a left-hand drive, and when we see it again in Skyfall, it's the traditional British right-hand drive. Oh. So, I don't know if, so I'm watching, I'm like, okay, is it supposed to be the same one? Mm. I mean, or did, 
since they installed gadgets on it, did Q just move the steering wheel over to make it, I mean, not that you can't, I don't know if there's a law against having a left-hand drive, but it does go from left-hand drive to right-hand drive between those two movies. Uh, the, the, you know, it's the exact same number plate, though. It is the BMT uh, 216A. Well, so, the, the, I, the Brits are fucking weird when it comes to the... <laughs> When it comes to their, uh, you know, steering, anyway. So, well, I dr- believe me, I drove for two weeks in England with a right-hand drive on their roads. It's the first forty-eight hours. I thought I was gonna have a nervous breakdown. Uh, of, of <laughs> course, and, of, and of course, they think they think we're they think we're crazy, you know, too. So, um, my my other problem was was that Anna de, de Armas was not in this. Oh yeah, at all. she had one scene pretty much. That one sequence, and they made they made her seem like a lot, like more substantial. Of I've got I've got her Funko Pop up on the shelf up here. Like they they mar- definitely were marketing her as a big character, but yeah, she she did not uh, have much screen well, time. At all. But good. I, I mean, I liked her character. Well, we yeah. Well, at least they didn't murder her like they they did every every other. Uh, hot Bond girl on and the Craig. And the Craig. She kind of reminded me of uh, Mary Goodnight from Man with the Golden Gun. Kind of that she's out in the field. She just got out of training. Um, kind of ditzy, saying the wrong things. Um, yeah, Paloma can fight a lot better than Mary Goodnight could. Yeah. Well, I, I you know as much as I wanted to see more of her, I think they had this. In many ways, I think the fact they should restraint in some ways is good because mm-hmm. she served her purpose. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I and I think that's the problem with just, you know, seeing a movie when it comes out in general. They got to market it. They got marketed with the stars. They got marketed with the hot stars. So they thought, oh, she's in it. We're going to market the shit out of her. And I think that's why people are kind of like, why well, want more of her? There should have been more of her. It's like, yeah, I understand that. But I think they did it right in terms of not using her more than she should have been. And speaking of supporting characters, as much as I hate, and I really hate that they killed Bond, I wasn't crazy about the fact they killed Felix, too. I mean, I got mm. the Felix lighter and Bond in one movie. And, and I was Blofeld. Like, I was... And Blofeld. So, so when they killed... When they killed... Uh, when they killed Felix off, my thought was... Okay, there's a good chance that the theory that Bond dies in this is probably going to happen because I I was kind of like I, I'm kind of like Felix is a re is a reoccurring um, you know character. What I the other thing though is what I don't like is with the way they kind of wrote Felix and Bond was like they were like. They were referencing like all these adventures that I'm like that we never got to see. I'm like, I'm like, so I'm like, I'm like, so I'm like, wait, so wait, how many Craig adventures were there? I'm assuming a ton between Quantum and Skyfall. Yeah, there, yeah, there, there had, there had to have, have been. And Inspector, he does mention Felix again. He says, oh, when he's um, Scarpine's widow, um. He mentioned he tells her he says oh I'm gonna get, she's afraid for her life from Spectre and he is oh I'm gonna put you into my in touch with my friend Felix. 
but um and i kind of did like that because again this is for people who've read the books in the books whenever felix and bond get together they sit down in a bar and drink and get drunk and do and that's like the one person he can he trusts can loosen up they do bar games drinking games and they just get drunk together and that that relationship was straight from the books and so that was one of those i don't know if you'd call it an easter egg but that's one of the scenes i did appreciate is like that's one of the really few times in the movies where they really got the bond felix relationship even though technically they didn't really earn it i mean you never really you saw bond and felix together only a couple times in the craig movies and which which when which when they first when they first introduced uh when they first introduced felix way back in casino l back in the in the day my initial thought back then was like oh yes they're going to make felix like a central character Mm. in this in this craig series this is going to be awesome and then they brought him in but they never really really did anything whereas like i will say that one thing that the dynamite comic but that the comic book series that they have going on for the last few years one thing that does really well is it actually gives like felix a an origin story and like a bit of you know uh like he's actually part of the comic book universe pretty well, he got his own miniseries yeah so yeah that, well, books, one thing they touched they kind of did with dalton in the and this is in the second Bond book, Live Live and Let Die, they re, they show the scene they they actually film the scene in License to Kill where he's fed to the sharks. Yeah, yeah. And except in the books, I think he loses his leg and his arm. So I was always kind of wondering if they're ever going to do that. Maybe they were setting up Jeffrey Wright's Felix to kind of go that because after book two, the rest of the Bond series, Felix has an artificial arm and an artificial leg. And, in fact, leaves the CIA and joins the Pinkerton Detective Agency. And he's a detective most of the time, um, which they did in the in the Dynamite comics. But um, rather than just flat out kill him off. So, you know, I was kind of, when, when Jeffrey Wright came in in Casino, I was like, are they going to kind of try and maybe do, because if Dalton had done another movie, it would have been interesting to see if Felix had come back and they addressed the fact that he has an artificial mm. leg. Yeah, my 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 one yeah my one problem with with uh with the license to kill is at the very end where like where uh I know what you're gonna say where Felix is just like a little too cheer for just having like lost his <laughs> his widow. in my I, head I, in my head canon they gave him too much pain meds and he was just too happy. I I get that I get that it's nine I get that it's nineteen eighty eighty nine I I get that but even so I'm like I'm like yeah this you know your wife it, was brutally murdered just a few yeah. days ago could you kind of <laughs> maybe act like you're a little bumped about it <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe you didn't yeah. like her that much <laughs> yeah I mean that they gave yeah I mean. They had a they had a darker story arc in Miami Vice for go, for God's sake. So, <laughs> um, well, that's the you know what to kind of circle back to the beginning of this. That's the one scene as a kid that was super dark to me was when he gets fed to the sharks. 
I don't quite, I mean, because there's other movies I've seen as a kid that you could argue have, like, technically darker things but aren't visually, you know, as graphic, as you could say. But I remember just for a Bond film, I was like, whoa, is is this this Bond? Like, what is this? This is pretty dark. You know, I mean, as an adult now, it's not that much. But it still is kind of like, for that time... Oh, yeah. You know, like I was just saying, like it shows that what they were trying to do with Dalton was ahead of its time. It just really wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, and I mean, Dalton's Bond is the is the one I picture when I, you know, when I read the novels most mm. of the time. You know who also said there? This is very interesting. Can you guess which director said that their favorite Bond is Dalton? Uh, John Glenn, because John Glenn directed both of his. Christopher Nolan. Chris Nolan. Yep. He said on a podcast, I don't know how long ago, but he did. I saw a clip of it yesterday. He said his favorite Bond film was. Oh, what was his favorite Bond film? I actually forget what his favorite film was, but his favorite Bond was Dalton. But I can probably find that. Um, But it is just interesting. He was rumored to. There were there were rumors that he was going to do a fifth Brosnan uh, film if they had if they had done one, which I which I thought would have Tarantino. I mean I mean oh. which I which I think would have been super. I think having Tarantino uh, direct a Bond film would have been super interesting. I kind of took that with. Like, I remember them talking about it back in the day. I think it was, I, I never really took it too super seriously, just because, I mean, now we're hearing Tarantino, there's been rumors that he was going to do a Star Trek movie, and mm. that's kind of gone by the wayside. So I remember them talking about, you know, Tarantino, and, and Pierce Brosnan, he confirms it. He said, yeah, they, they kind of kicked around the idea a little bit of it, but I don't really think much happened yeah. from it. I think that would have been a mistake, because... He's in a totally different genre with a totally different rating for a movie, too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it wouldn't work. But I do remember now, Nolan's favorite film was of the Bonds, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which makes sense. And his favorite Bond was Dalton. Um, I was trying to think of something else I noticed in this film, but I, I, I think, oh, that forest scene where he's in the forest and those like Range Rovers are coming after him. That scene and also the jamaica scene were you know i mean there's other ones too but those kind of i thought were the they felt more a classic bond but also this modernist where it's i mean the jamaica one's more fun and quippy and one-linery and the the martinis too which is perfect but then in the forest it, like he's actually using his resources kind of almost rambo-esque and in a clever way with the um tow cable and all these other things mm-hmm. like that to me seemed like one of the most, especially these recent ones, the more in character of like he's thinking, he's not just beating people up, but he's actually thinking of smart ways to use what he has in his situation. Kind of like the showdown at Skyfall where he was kind of, they were kind of doing the, you know, fabricating all the little weapons and traps for everybody. Yeah. And I love that stuff. Like, cause to me, that is kind of. I mean, they've done in the past Bonds, but like, like when they do in these recent ones, it feels more like this is where Bond could be more interesting with the action. Is that it's not just 
cars and big stunts, big explosives. But when he's stripped down to nothing, he can still kick your ass with your helicopter and your machine guns, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, and I mean, I also, with the Force, I like the little nod to uh, Roger Moore's Bond where he, where he kicks the, the car. Oh, I love the, that. The mountain. That was like it, one it, of my favorite parts. It's just like, yes. do it, do it. It, it, was, it wasn't the same thing with the fact that he crushes that, that guy right. with the with the Range Rover, I instantly picked up on that nod. Um, so, mm-hmm. but so fun fact, Roger Moore didn't like that in that film. He no. didn't want him to do it, but they left it in there anyway. They filmed. They filmed. They even filmed two different versions. Yeah, um, they filmed it, him kicking it. Or no, first they, he takes out the pin. He throws him the pin, the dove pin that he left on the dead man's body that he killed. He throws him the dove pin and then kicks it. And then Roger Moore's like, well, can I just throw the dove pin in? And the irony being that the weight of that pin is what causes it. So mm. he doesn't kick it. He sends him over by throwing the pin in. And the irony being the, the weight of the pin that he left on the dead man's body is the weight that was all the weight that was needed to tip the car over. And the direct, I think it was John Glenn. He said, no, let's film it both ways. And he was like, no, we're using that one. That is just way cooler. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I certainly think I I think it worked better. One one of my complaints with the Moore series is that it gets a bit too campy, somewhat near near the end of his tenure. Um, well, we're in the middle of his tenure, like right there. Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker are pretty campy, and they tried to rein it back in with the last the last few aren't as fan you know mm. science fictiony. Um, but yeah, right there in the middle, they kind of did go. Although those are some of the best love movies. Spider Love Me and Moonraker are some of the most popular Bond movies, most financially successful. In fact, Spider, I mean, with Live and Let Die and Man with a Golden Gun, the franchise was kind of at a dip. And then when they yeah. Spider Love Me, that really say that really revitalized the franchise mm-hmm. and was a huge blockbuster. Although, although View to a Kill, they have that ridiculous thing where like Bond is yeah. driving around. I mean, around there's, there's right. a lot you could pick yeah. at a View to a Kill about. That's true. Well, um, see, that's another thing too that's hard, especially people my age, just Zoomers, to understand is that this is what I love about the Bonds is they're a reflection of their times, and it's like one of the only like I think it is the only franchise you can really point to, especially specifically in film that's been around this long where you can see a clear reflection like for like every other year, pretty much. And a lot of those more ones work for that time. Maybe they go a little bit too far at times, even for that time. But in the context of the time, it makes sense why they were the way they were. Same with the ones we have now, the ones in Connery, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why you get these people that are kind of like, oh, man, imagine if Craig was in all these or if we had Connery for all of them. I'm like, it wouldn't work. They only work for the times where they were in. Um, maybe some here and there, you could say, could have been done sooner or later had you know Connery in a little longer. But they work for their times, and that's what's very interesting to me. Yeah. And speaking of that, where 
where would you guys like to see the Bond films, I guess, go from mm. from here? If you like, from from this point on, yeah, I think they need to get back. I, I think they're like I said in the last one. I think they need to get a younger Bond. I think after this movie, they really need to make kind of do like they did with Goldeneye, make Bond fun again, make Bond. You know, not you don't have to go too over the top, but just where you can go in and just have a good time with Bond, maybe have a few, you know, kind of go maybe a little lighter as a contrast to how dark, especially how this movie ended, how dark Craig got, maybe go, maybe it's time to go a little lighter, more like the Brosnan era. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and do standalone Bond movies. You know, you don't need to do the drama of the backstory, have him go in and like, okay, 007, we've got, you know, Dr. So-and-so is going to launch something, something, and he's going to blow up the world. We need you to come in and save the day and him to go out on an actual mission, not on a revenge or any of that other stuff that kind of was throughout the entire Craig series and just get back to good old fashioned fun. James Bond. Yeah. The what the one thing I don't want is I don't want them. I don't want them to do a reboot of Bond again. Um, well, I mean, I every Bond, every time a Bond I, takes over, they yeah, do a, I mean, kind of a soft reboot. This yes. one, I, I, I don't want them. Yeah, I don't want them to start with an origin story or anything like like a yeah, really yeah, hard yeah, reboot. Yeah, when I'm just go yeah. in, Bond's already Bond, and just like they didn't like when Moore took over Dalton or whoever, you know, it's just it's understood that this is a different Bond, but it's still the same guy. It's still right. James Bond, and just get on with you know. You don't have to address it. You don't have to. You know the one, you know the one uh, eye-rolling moment in the otherwise flawless on Her Majesty's Secret Service is when Lazenby turns to the camera and he's like, "This never happened to the other fella." You know, nothing like you don't need to address it. Just boom, like live and let die. I mean, basically, it was Roger Moore just seamless took over everything that happened was just understood that his career that this is just has always been Bond. That's all I need to do. Just a very soft reboot. Because obviously the Craig era is done. I mean, it's its own thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 done for sure. Um, and you I know, think naturally they have to go back to how things used to be. I think that's literally the only path. And I think the natural length too is to make it a little lighter. I think that's kind of the mood of the country right now. Is we want things a little more escapism-y. I know it's very vague, but that's kind of why I like this, is it had more of those fun gadgets, shit like that, and I think it's got to go more into a lighter mood with more humor, probably, and yeah, I don't want to say all Kingsman-y, because that's kind of a parody of Bonds, but you get what I kind of mean by that, mm-hmm. but I think, too, this is the only thing I'm concerned about, is and I don't think they're going to do this now because of the backlash and how it could just be a bad business decision in general is I was afraid at the end of this movie, oh, this is when they start the female James Bond. This is how they start the whatever swap race, gender, whatever of yeah. Bond because he's dead now. And now we can start with a clean slate in a progressive era. And that's the only thing that worries me. I don't think they'll do it because I think just financially it'd be a stupid decision. But I I know the direction this should go. I'm afraid 
it could go the other way. The broad. Well, the Broccoli's the last time I checked have said that Bond is o- always going to be is always going to be a straight male. And they have, but they've also probably said he wouldn't die. So I don't know. I I don't know if it's ever come up. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't Maybe know if they've ever been on record. Like, We're definitely not going to kill him off. Yeah, I mean, well, hopefully it was understood. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the problems is I think one of the things that. I think they realized, and I, I think a lot of movies are starting to realize this is that woke doesn't sell, um, you know, very well. And I think, I think they're starting to kind of real. I think they're they're starting to realize that. Um, I think if they bring anyone to write a new Bond film, I think they need to do. I think they need to bring Anthony Horowitz in to write uh, a Bond movie because. He's he's got a bit, a good mix of he knows Bond well, but he also I, I wouldn't really say he's modernized Bond because all of his Bond novels take place in the past, but he's definitely written uh, his novels in a way that they're they're not misogynist like Flem- some of Fleming's stuff was, but they're you know they're still clearly Bond. He's still, you know, kind of a ladies' man. He's still, still an Chad. agent. Yeah, he's still an a. He's still an agent, and um, you know, I'd like to see his take on kind of the modern Bond. And since he's written screenplays, I think he'd be, I think he'd be a good one to write the movies, maybe in the future. So, I could see. Um, as far as who Bond should be. I mean, people have floated around all, all sorts of names, but like Mark and I have said in the past, I'd like them to find someone relatively unknown. Um, mm. If I were to pick a known, I've said for a few years, I think Henry Cavill would be just perfect. But at the same time, an unknown would be really interesting. That would that that would be a genuinely good subverting of expectations. Yeah. Which is what they've done in the, the uh, I've said in the previous episode. This is what they've done before. Nobody knew who Daniel Craig was before Daniel Craig was Bond, mm. and Roger, you know, or Sean Connery for that matter, or George Lazenby. Nobody really knew who Timothy Dalton was. He, he you know, did some supporting roles, and both Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan really were mostly known as TV actors before they became Bond. Yeah, so, which I I found I found. I found out the other day that my mom used to have a crush on uh, Pierce from the Remington Steel. Oh, I love that show. That was a great Steel show. Days. Yeah. Um, and so, See, you know, that's kind of like Star Wars, where they kind of get these unknowns, some or for some of it, I should say. And I think that's kind of what works well is that whoever the because it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse when you take on this role because that's pretty much what you're going to be remembered for you were the guy that played bond i mean maybe done some other stuff but you were bond and i think that is i won't say it's why they pick unknowns but it's the benefit that comes from it is that they don't have the baggage of being oh you were bilbo baggins oh you were harry potter it's like you don't have anything else that takes you out of it because that's something that George Lucas, when he made Star Wars, is that he didn't want 
at the time people to kind of associate actors with their other roles. He wanted the actor to be this role and just that. And I think that's kind of what helps this series. And, you know, I don't know if people realize it, but I think that's partially what helps it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I've seen, like, concepts for, uh, you know, Henry Cavill as Bond, and I, I certainly think he he looks the part, and I, I think there are a couple of different actors that we could say they look the part, and, I mean, heck, even if they, if, even if they wanted to, to, to do, like, a black James Bond, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. My whole thing is, do they have the charisma of of Bond? And... You know, can they can they really take on the role of Bond? I'd I'd like to see them kind of go back maybe to to book Bond a little bit in terms of personality. Mm. Um, I mean, I I they've already done that a little bit with Craig, um, but I mean, I also feel like Craig kind of made Bond his own a bit, if mm. that makes sense. So yeah, it's um. It's interesting. It'll always be interesting to see what, if anything, they do with the game franchise in the future now that, you know, everything with Bond is kind of totally out in the open right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, one thing I also want to mention before we close is my theater experience. Because it was a unique one, to say the least. Because I either try to go to a movie like opening so that I don't get spoiled or when it's dead, so I can be in a nice, quiet theater. Nobody bothering me. No, yum, yum, yum. All the freaking noises you get when you want to hear something that's like a quiet scene. Um, or yap, yap, yap. Text, text, text. These like freaking spotlights that come out from everywhere, it seems. And people turn their phones on with light mode on, full brightness. Uh, it was not... It was... Initially, I go in there because I go early to get good seats. I got there 45 minutes early, got my dead center seat. I'm like, all right, 15 minutes passed. Nobody showed up. It's a good sign. And then people come in. And first, I get this person, you know, it's like mostly full. They wanted to swap seats with me. And I was like, sorry, I'm keeping this seat. (laughs) I'm not giving it up. Usually, I'm not like that. But I was just like, nope, 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 not dealing with that. And then I get right to my left, this group of like four dude bro frat guys that for the entire freaking movie were talking like I am talking yelling the whole time. And like it's it's like if this was a one or one off thing, it'd be comical. But they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. I was my man kicking ass oh she's like so obnoxious i was like i want to say something but if i say something it's going to ruin it more for me if i don't say something they're going to keep ruining it (laughs) but they kind of toned it down a bit but it was just like god i want to just have a private theater and just that's it one of these days (laughs) there I the only the only instance I had with that was um was there there was one woman sitting behind me um that that like complained because 
Uh, Anna Dynamax's dress showed like a little too much cleavage, or it did show a lot, <laughs> or or whatever. And I, I I turned I turned behind her and said, "Ma'am, this is a Bond movie. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the franchise, <laughs> but but what this savage. is but this." I said, "What?" I said, "If you think this is bad, watch Goldeneye. <laughs> watch Goldeneye." Oh Believe me, God. it was only through the the magic of movie making that she could jump, fight, kick, and not have her boobs pop out of that dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by the by the same by the same t- token, though, I also was kind of like, and eh, I never got what the appeal with Anna de Armas was up until this point. But now, now I certainly understand. Well, uh, she's hot. I'd argue she's hotter in Blade Runner. I don't know why, but she looked hotter. Yeah. Um. I mean, she was kind of nice throwback to some of the, to some of the Bond girls from some of the games. Um. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and I mean that's the other thing is I feel like they need to kind of bring back the more traditional Bond girls, I guess, too. You know, as kind of like you know, bring back the fun of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, I mean, looking at the Craig era, I mean, you had Vesper, which I thought she was a good Bond girl. Um, but then after that, you had, the in Quantum, you had that character whom Bond didn't even sleep with. Then you had Money Penny, who, I mean, I mean, I guess she's a Bond girl. She, she really didn't do much in that movie. I mean, that movie mm-hmm. really kind of went without a traditional Bond girl. And then the last two movies was the same girl. It was Madeline for two movies. And um, so, yeah, you really, Craig really never seemed to have like the traditional kind of Bond girl. Mm. It was a kind of one and done thing that we, he wasn't mooning over for, you know, I mean, good Lord. We're, we're in as much as, you know, we're now into No Time to Die and he's still pining over Vesper who, you know, he wasn't really with all that long. Which... Um, which again goes back to my whole thing of this, you know, for a fifteen years story, you know, thing. Like to to the average person, they're not going to remember, you know, who to the average moviegoer, they're not going going to remember who Vesper is. Oh yeah. Um and yeah. so you know, that was like all and even me, I'm like I'm like we're still hung we're still hung up on this. I mean, kind of the idea with quantum, quantum was, was that he got was that yeah. he got closure um, regarding his death, and uh, you know, Skyfall really focused on his relationship with M and whatnot. I am a little disappointed with. Um, I thought they were going to set like more backstory in regards to his parents and whatnot after um, after Skyfall, but they. they I mean, didn't... really, in the books, that was about it. I mean, we knew that they 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 were on uh, a climbing expedition and they died in a climbing accident, and that was about it. I mean, they 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 didn't. It wasn't like something they dwelt on in the books all that much. It's kind of all you really need. They weren't really. It wasn't like they were spies or anything. They were just kind of that, semi-well-off people, I guess. That's kind of what that that was kind of like one of the things that my mom asked was like, were were they double O's? And I'm like, no, no they weren't. They weren't double O's. And 
you know, I read I read the whole climbing accident thing thing for. I I just I just felt like that could have been misleading to some people. I guess. Um, yeah, speaking but, of parents, that's another thing that happened during my experience was at the very beginning when Madeline's mother just gets like machine gun to death. The fucking dude pros laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. My experience was fucked. It was so I, weird. They just like cut to that. They're like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, what? I couldn't even laugh at their I, laughing because it was just so weird. I, yeah, I I was just kind of like, you know, yeah. Again, with the whole siphon thing, I I felt like they they gave him. They gave him like an, a good introduction, but then just kind of did nothing with his character for like half half mo- the movie. It kind mm. of seemed like he was going to be another Silva type. Well, character. he was so. I mean, like kind of like Silva. Silva was focused on killing M. He was focused in on killing. Oh, of course, Blofeld's focused in on ruining Bond's life. Silva was focused on ruining M's life. Now Safin comes along. He's focused on ruining Blofeld's life, and that was his whole thing. He he he. At the beginning, he's taking out Mister White's family. He goes on. He he's he's develops this. He takes out Spectre. He takes out Blofeld, and then once that happens, for me, I was like, okay, what is up with this character? I don't. I, I his motivation after that kind of lost me because th- at that point, I was just okay. Now you're just being a dick. Well, for the sake of it. <laughs> Well, the other, the other thing, thing too, I was, I was like, I was like, wait, is he in love with Madeline? And and I'm like, what? I'm like, what's this all? all? I'm like, wait, so is he, so he's in love with Madeline, but he, yet he wants to poison her. And I'm like, I was really confused about his age. So he didn't look like for something. She was a little girl when he met her. He didn't yeah. look like. And then supposedly like if she was like say 10 maybe and now she's in her 30s that's like 20 some odd years it didn't look so would was he if he was mid-20s then is he supposed to be like in his 50s like he didn't look like he aged i don't know how old he was supposed to be now and yeah supposed to be then i was kind of confused on that too too. because that was a jump in time Oh yeah, and then yeah. the movie itself jumps five years, which initially was like, "Oh, we're just gonna jump five years, okay?" But it made sense now, you know, when obviously when the movie played out, but because then she gets pregnant and shit like that, and the baby happens. But yeah, I was saying the same thing with him. Is like, dude, like you had to be like in your twenties or thirties when you murdered her mother. Like you can't do that as like a ten year old. Like you gotta be at least a decent age. And then she has to be in her 30s, at least, when she's with Bond and having a kid. So, yeah, he's got to be like 50-something. I'm like, you don't look it. You don't act it. And, I mean, I'm I'm willing to suspend my belief with, with some of that. But, again, yeah. his, his motivation is just his motivations as a character were... We're all we're all over the place, and of course you can argue, oh well, he's crazy, but it's like, it's like even Silva, you know, who was you know, who was crazy, had like motive, you know, had like a 
had at least like a coherent motivation. I mean, yeah. Bond. He seemed crazy, but he didn't really seem like he wanted to kill anybody. Like he, other than Blofeld Inspector, because he, I mean, he kills Mr. White's wife. He actually saves Madeline from drowning. He saves her life. Later on, when he meets her, he says, you owe me. I know about your, you know, he hints that he knows of her secret, her daughter. And he gives her this, gives her the poison. He says, all I want you to do is go in, shake it, you know, deliver the weapon that's going to kill Blofeld. And that's it. You, mm. I have no interest in you. And if Bond hadn't have really gone back, he he didn't really care. And when he had the Madeline's daughter, he let her go. He really didn't seem to have other any interest in killing Bond unless Bond was going to interfere with his plans. And there was at least half a dozen way Bond could have stopped him. So it was like he really didn't seem like the psycho killer type, which made his plan of mass murder even more confusing. Yeah. And I think that initially is interesting is that you have a villain that genuinely doesn't want to kill a lot of people. And I thought that was what I initially was approaching it as, too. And that's where him letting the daughter would go make sense. But then again, what doesn't make sense is he wants to kill everybody else. So it's like I it was definitely the weakest part. But I think this movie overall, if I were to and I don't like doing this, but rank it amongst Craig's films, it's probably at number three for me. That's kind of how it sits. I'd put um, Skyfall number one. I know it's a hot take, but it's just my personal favorite because it overall. I love Skyfall. Yeah, I love it. It's so rewatchable. When I saw it's it, fun. though, because it's a fun movie and it's kind of standalone almost. It's yes. as much as standalone as you can get with a Craig movie. Yeah, and that that's why I liked it. I mean, when I initially first saw it, I mean, I think it's because I was younger. I couldn't appreciate things as well. I was like 13, I think. I was kind of like mixed. I was like, I don't know if I like that. And then I watched it second, third time. I was like, whoa, I love this. Like, what was I thinking at the time? But it stands on its own. It has all the elements. It does them well. It's modernized without not being too modern and not too old fashioned. It just does everything right, especially for the 50th anniversary. It just did it all right. Great theme song. Great cinematography. Just everything's pretty much perfect. Um, and then I put Casino Royale. Never been a big fan of it. And I think that's because I didn't see it at the time. So I didn't understand the whole hype of it. But I do enjoy it. And I like it. Then I put this one. Then I put Spectre and then Quantum. I I think that's my pretty much my ranking swap. Because Swap Casino and... Uh... And Skyfall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I that's fair. I, I mean, Casino, Casino was my first Bond in the theater. In the theater, mine was um, Skyfall. So, so that was that was part mine of mine was but... a view to a kill. <laughs> <laughs> Not to age myself, but you, well, hey, you, you know, you got to see, uh, oh, what see more. You got yeah, you got to see more, and you got to see Christopher Walken before he was really mm. on, the, he was... on big screen. Yeah, Christopher Walken on the Golden Gate Bridge and on huge screen in the at the theater. Yeah, before before he became Christopher Walken. Um, so 
Yeah, and, and you, I mean, you got to see the Dalton era in theaters as well, I'm assuming, at, oh, least, yeah. at least. Yeah, from um, then on, I was every movie was on, on the big screen. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, yeah, Casino, I feel, is, is just a good, like, even taking it out of the Bond franchise, it's a good, it's a good, like, action thrower movie kind of on its own too that just happens to to be a bond movie um i love i have to say one of the best opening sequences is in that the whole i forget where they're in but when he's chasing that dude jumping on the cranes oh yeah that shit was awesome and seeing that in the theater was awesome um you know and mark i yeah i know i know you said you were afraid you're afraid of heights too so Dude, yeah. it makes I'm afraid of heights. It made me more afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I would I would really love to have seen uh, Goldeneye in the theaters. Yeah. Too that. Oh, that opening day, been... opening day. I was so because it had been so long. I, I mean, it had been, since it was that was ninety five, and I the last Bond movie was eighty nine. And I mean, all I had in between was James Bond Jr., the cartoon show. And I mean, I was ready for a new Bond. And Pierce Brosnan, the trailers looked amazing. I mean, I was counting down for that day. And when I saw it, I was just like, oh, a new era for Bond. I was so mm. happy. Yeah, that, yeah, Pierce's whole store with Bond is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Especially considering that he was supposed to get it and then didn't get it and then wasn't he he was married to one of the bond bond girls yeah, actually, uh, actually. He, he was married to cassandra harris she's in for your eyes only she's the girl that bond meets about halfway she's the, she plays countess liesel and she is like an associate of colombo the drug uh, not the drug guy they think he's a drug guy he's the smuggler and there's halfway through the movie he kind of tells her to go off with bond and get a little information and so they go off together. They spend the night together. The next morning, they're walking together along the beach, and the bad guys come up and kill her. They run her down in, in dune buggies. One of them yeah. being oh, yeah. Charles Dance. Charles Dance from Game of Thrones fame, one of his very first roles. He's one of the goons that kills her. And Pierce Brosnan was on set because his wife was filming, and that's how he kind of got to know the Bro- Albert Broccoli and kind of came on his radar and thought, yeah, he'd be Maybe a decent bond. Really, really. So, so Albert, Albert Broccoli was still around when Pierce. Yeah, he was. He. I'm trying to remember when he passed. It was during. I think he. I, I mean, he, he right was there before when, Craig. I think right. Oh yeah, before Craig. I mean, he was somewhat in the. He he got into the Brosnan era before he died. I mean, he his health was bad. He was kind of passing more of his stuff off to his daughter, Barbara, and his stepson, Michael Wilson. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know that he was, you know, that he kind of, that like his last wish was that Pierce would play, um, you know, Bond. So that was kind of his last act. But I I think he passed right before, uh, Brosna actually before Golden I got released. So, Take a look. 
I have to say, too, I know Pierce's movies sometimes get a bad rap. And maybe it's my childhood bias, but I thought he was amazing. Like, he's really good in it. I, you know, I love Pierce. I'm a huge Pierce Brosnan fan. I'm not a huge fan of Die Another Day. Um, yeah. But not because of Pierce. That's that yeah. one. I, I sit down and I watch it. And it's I mean, it's one of the reasons, I, you know, as crazy as the Roger Moore ones. I always love Roger Moore. As crazy as Die Another Day gets with the the, the surfing and the and the all the invisible cars and stuff, Pierce does not disappoint in that movie. Yeah, he makes it so watchable. I I think yeah, all I of his are but respect like, for that man. I mean, I think Goldeneye is his best one, obviously, but I think the rest are fine except Die Another Day. That's the one where I just kind of like. And they show it like 50 times on the movie channels. I'm like, of all of his that you're showing, <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and Pierce I, Pierce, I feel like maybe should have gotten like one more. I mean, he did kind of get like a send off in the games a little bit with everything or nothing. But I mean, the thing with video games is like you can't even play those older games anyone unless you have like a console for them so you know that too is like the sentiment towards bond and the mood of the nation kind of was changing around then and the types of movies that we like that i don't know if they could have done another with him like i think his last yeah it's like i think last two were post 9-11 at least one of them was well, die, die another day. Was. Die another day, but die another day had also been written pre nine eleven too. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because well, um, think of the things that we started watching, like post nine eleven, was like Jack Bauer, Jason Bourne, shit like that. Totally different vibe, and now we're kind of going back to. I don't want to say what we had before that, but we're kind of going away from that a bit in terms of most movies. Yeah. Like, even John Wick, as serious as it is, like, it's... I, I, I don't know if I'd throw in the same class as those, because it's a bit more... I don't know how, where i throw because it's kind of its own little thing, but, you know, it's like, e- even just looking at that shows how actions change, where it's not like, Jason Bourne's in many ways ridiculous, like, that he can, like, kill people with a toaster, but John Wick is, like, way more about... F- fantastical. Yeah, that that's a good word for it. Yeah, it, it's he's more. Yeah, he he's does some he'll kill a person with a pencil, but like his gun training is legit. His actions all legit. Like it's a totally different way of doing it. Yeah, and I mean, even just like taking one fourth of that for the new Bond, you know, series, I think would be would be fine. I mean, like Mark said, just making making it fun again. Well, so. see, and that's the interesting thing that I think is going to be is how does Bond differentiate itself going forward? Because you have Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise doing two more. They're going to be awesome, and he's going to do crazy stunts. Does Bond become the crazy stunt movie, or does it become the hyper-realism movie? Does it become the fun spy movie? Like, where does it go in terms of not just the actor, but the tone and the style is what i think is going to be interesting that's the million dollar question that is the million dollar question i feel yeah, like they literally already, a million dollars yeah so more. million dollar question <laughs> yeah. i i feel like they've all i feel like they've kind of already done hyper realism with the craig era somewhat 
Um, yeah, and that's what confuses know, me. Like, I would love to make a prediction right now and be like, Sam, screenshot this. I'll be right, but I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just hope that whatever they do, the the broccolis hold on to the franchise, you know, for as for as long as possible, or at least that they have offspring that are willing to kind of take thing things over, because you know it's it's their family legacy, and I. I feel yeah. like they've they've been pretty faithful to uh you know they've they've been pretty faithful to Fleming's you know uh character and so you know when if another studio gets their hands on I'm not sure it'll be quite the same so mm-hmm. but well I, Amazon now just, technically owns it they own yeah but I think. The broccoli, broccoli, Barbara Broccoli, Michael G. Wilson still technically have creative control. Yes, so yep. they they have complete creative control. And really, ironically, kind of the once George Lucas sold off Star Wars, kind of the last of the independent, truly independent filmmakers as far as independent franchises go. I can't. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't name another one that was because for a while it was you know George Lucas had his Star Wars that he controlled and the Broccoli's had bond that they controlled but once you know george sold up i can't think anybody else that's truly as independent as they are it's a good point i I do know that like if they sell to if they sell the franchise to anyone they should they should sell it to to a guy named mark hunt i really (laughs) i really i really trust him with the with the brand with the franchise i throw in my two cents worth oh i'm oh i'm sure you would so I've often I've often thought too though that uh, Dennis Miller would be he would come up with an interesting kind of Bond thing. I, I know that he did write a, a script for Batman Returns that uh, never saw the light of day, but that that was interesting. He was, he was kind of the Phoebe Waller Bridge to that one because they brought in Phoebe Waller Bridge to kind of script doctor this Bond movie, throw in a few jokes. That's kind of what he did with Batman and Robin. Although they didn't use any of his stuff, yeah, and it, I think it would have, I think it would have been a lot better move. I think it would have been a better movie if they had, but that's just it couldn't have been any worse. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <laughs> so and now they're rebooting Batman again. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the other thing. They're re- they're rebooting everything, and they're giving them another origin story, which is. Not what Bond. I mean, yeah. really, I don't really think any of these characters need reboots. I just think we just need standard adventures at this point. So, yeah. but. I do know this. I after this movie has been out, I'm now more worried next summer that they're going to try and do the same thing and kill off Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones Five. I'm like, please, don't. I don't, I don't, as much I are, I'm getting over Bond being killed. I don't need Indiana Jones to be killed or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, let, let that one end with him living happily ever after. Well, and because we know that's pretty much it's going to be his last movie too. Well, and they're planning on making a third Blade Runner movie, which uh, are you they? Know, uh, I've I've heard rumors. If they're going to do that, they had better do that quickly because, I mean, mm. Harrison Ford is getting up he's there. Already, they've already had to hold up production a couple times. He's getting, like, 
he's he's in his you know mid to late seventies. He's getting banged up in his Indiana Jones movie. They've already had to pause production. He's broken limbs and he's, he's got those old brittle bones. Not you know God you know when I get that age, I hope I'm half as fit as he is then. But yeah, um, you know he can only keep doing this for so long. Yeah, well, and he's also he's also like. He's always been like in multiple plane crashes too. I know how. Yeah. How he how he hasn't died from any, any of those? I uh, you know, mm. I'm I'm a bit amazed. It, it's yeah, it's it's weird that like he's still around. Uh, I mean, it's funny. It's interesting that like Sean Connery lives in to like ninety or ninety one. I think. You mm-hmm. know. That was um, impressive. Even though, you know, for like for the last decade or so, really the the last like, you know, 15 years of his life, he really didn't do anything. So, yeah, he retired pretty much. You know, yeah. actually, what will be my next movie going experience? I think you'll like Sam is Dune. I cannot wait to see that. I I am curious. I am curious about that. I, I can't. I've never been able to get to get into the book. I've tried, but it's just it's too long of a slog. I've never read the book, but it's our boy Denis. I trust him, and it looks like they're going balls out. I mean, it's got an insane cast, like insane cast. I'm, as someone who has read the books, um, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to it. It has, and really. A near perfect cast. Like when I hear all the characters and who they've got to play them, it stuns me how I was like, man, that's perfect. That's perfect. Mm. Yeah. Um, as yeah, as long as we don't get you know Sting and Speedo again, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. What um, well, what worries me about Dune though is that big the big the, the, they have the whole book. They only filmed the first half. Yeah. And the, Denis wanted to do parts one and two back to back, kind of like Lord of the Rings style. And the studio yeah. was like, they didn't have the faith. They're like, we, we don't know about that. So now it's going to be, it's going to, especially because most of this was done pre COVID, it's going to be really hard. I mean, this thing is going to have to be mega blockbuster for them to all of a sudden go back and like, all right, now we got to get everybody back together again. It's going to be that much harder when they could have just filmed it all as one production. So, I mean, unless this thing makes a kajillion dollars, I don't, you know, it's going to be up in the air if we even get to see the rest of the book. It, it, part two. Well, I could be remembering wrong. I'll Google, but I think they greenlit a part two or maybe they were, but they didn't greenlit for him specifically to direct it. Mm-hmm. There was some, something weird that I heard recently, but yeah, that's a, valid concern because it's it's i mean his previous film didn't do well at the box office even though i loved it people who are fans loved it but i loved it too yeah i mean it's one of my favorites if not my favorite movie um but it's that's the problem with the he's in is he he made this big bet and then went bad technically from a financial standpoint and now they're giving him another big bet that's arguably even bigger yeah, well, and, well, and I mean, the thing it is, is Dune is even less mainstream than Blade Runner is. Yeah. And oh, so, you know, and so, I mean, even though I, even though I'm not like a, even though I haven't read the book, I, I've, 
I've seen the movie and I've seen the miniseries and you know I I understand I understand Dune well enough to like appreciate it because I understand because I appreciate complex you know sci-fi but will the average you know will will appeal to the to the normies I guess yeah you know unfortunately that's who you know you have to appeal to that is kind of one of the things with even bond that like people are like oh i guess bond is over now it's like no um do you guys not read you know that any of the movie blogs or anything i guess i guess most people don't so no well, it's funny, too, and I'll address the Dune thing in a second, but the only people that stayed in the theater with me were, like, these group of, like, three older women in the very back. Everybody else had left. We were the only ones staying after the credits. I'm like, they know. They get it. <laughs> They've been here before. Uh, but with Dune, it says on Wikipedia, th- I think this is what I heard, is that there's plans um, amongst multiple writers and other people that there should be a sequel not confirmed by the studio. The only thing the studio did say is they assured uh, Denis that a sequel will be greenlit as long as the film performs well, not in theaters, but on HBO Max. (sighs) I don't know about that, but, you know, I think it could because of the cast and maybe some people are craving something interesting and new i don't i don't know if it's going to perform well to be honest but the early reviews said that it's i mean it's a kind of a mixed bag of reviews of ranging of how good it is but they're all saying that's good but they say it, it ends abruptly but it also has a lot of quietness to it a lot of slow bits but also a lot of action for the normies so well, i'm really curious i mean Considering it's part one, it probably will end abruptly. Um, yeah. As someone who's familiar with the story, I'm really curious where they make the cut. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I know they they're, they kind of want to do a franchise, but as obscure and as kind of out there as Dune is, each book after that, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, they go, they're bonkers crazy. That's I what mean, I've it, heard. Um, Sam, you said, did you watch this? Um, you said you saw the miniseries. Did you see the second miniseries, Children of Dune? I don't. I want to say yes, but I don't really remem- remember. That that miniseries, they took the second book, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune. They took those two books and made one long miniseries, and it it's out there. It's it's crazy, especially when you get to the end. Well, like, don't they actually all turn into sandworms and... Um, well, spoilers. Uh, yeah, um, I don't care. Um, Paul Atreides' son, Leto Atreides, he's the main character in Children of Dune. And that's what happens to him at the end of Children of Dune. And then the fourth book, God, Emperor of Dune takes place like a thousand years later and he's like a gigantic sandworm with i think he has like a human head so he's kind of evolved into a gigantic sandworm and he's living and it just it goes even crazier after that so they 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 tend to get less and less what i would call commercial 
commercially accepted for something that would require like a multi-million dollar budget because they just go so crazy. I mean, it's really hardcore science fiction. Sounds I mean, trippy. Out there. It is yeah. very trippy. Um, Do you think but, they could have made the first book into like one three and a half hour movie or something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, David Lynch kind of did that. I mean, he his movie gets a lot of a lot of grief, but he does a fairly decent job of adapting it. And there's an even longer version, uh, uh, an uncut version that's even longer, which is more like three hours. But yeah, I mean, it would it could have easily been done. I because. If they're only doing the first half of the book, I'm not. I don't know what the runtime of this new one is. I'm assuming to about two and a half hours. Yeah, it's pretty long. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, at times I'm thinking they might even have to pad it up a little bit. I mean, kind of like Hobbit. You know, you took the one book and made three movies out of it. They're taking this one book, admittedly a thick book, and making mm. two long movies out of it. It's um, two hours and thirty-five minutes. Okay, well, shorter than No Time to Die. <laughs> yeah well i i per i think i know why they do this but i would prefer it just be three three and a half hours like lawrence of rave or something it's just one big epic that's it it's great it's all one piece but i know hey if we make a hundred million on this one what if we could do that again and so they do two parts this is the biggest trend in hollywood for the past i guess since harry potter where Let's split in two, make double, triple our money, which I, doesn't always work for me. I, I, and I was one of the people that when I heard that about Harry Potter, I initially thought, that's great, because that book has got so much going on, that's great. But then when I saw the how they did in the movies, I was like, this should have just been one movie. I kind of feel the same way about... Uh... The infinite, the Marvel movies, and the yeah, they technically did the same thing. I mean, and I and I feel like, and I even told this to to Christ to Christian uh, Mark. I feel kind of like the Marvel movies, like people didn't like the pause in in Marvel movies. I thought it was great, just because at that point we, we were kind of getting inundated with uh, Marvel movies and. I mean, you can't, really got to get inundated now. I think there's yeah. like a Marvel movie every month between you, now and spring. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, you. I don't know if you can see it, but in the bookcase behind you, like I've got all these, I've got like all these Marvel graphic novels behind me. So like, I, I've I've been a comic book collector, and like I'm a I'm a hardcore nerd. But even even so, the MCU has just kind of become its own. It's become so big, it's hard to keep track of everything. So Yeah, that's why I wasn't a big MCU person other than the, most of the movies felt the same to me. It's just too much work for, you know, to, to just watch one movie. You need to watch 20 of them to understand one of them. I, that's just not my thing. I get why people like it. I really, I really get it. Just for me, I it doesn't do anything for me. And... I think because I see what it's really about, which is just like, hey, let's make a shit ton of money with this, which is, yeah, I guess all movies. But it's like it's just it gets so oversaturated. I just feels boring to me. I know it's been said a million times, but want more original shit, which is which is another thing too. kind of bring it back to Bond. I've read that like Amazon wants to do like a Bond expanded universe. And oh, no. 
And that's, I, that's one good thing about the broccoli's in control because they're really against doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, and look, if like for dynamite and for the graphic novels, that that's fine. Like, you know, uh, in in the comics, you know, do what you want. But as far as the books go and as far as the movies go, I feel like they kind of need to you know, if 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 they do anything, make a Bond movie every two years like like they used to back back in the in the day. I I would rather have that than do like a whole TV series. Of totally like, agree. Totally agree. Of James Bond or do like a you know a spinoff with with Felix Hyde. I I don't. Not every franchise needs to have like its own big universe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So. Well, any final thoughts on uh, Bond? Or I know we're kind of getting light here, and it's going to be—I don't know—I I get the feeling it's going to be a while. They, I, I'm hearing rumors that we're, we're going to probably hear a new actor in 2022. I think they're just going to kind of wait and see how this one, you know. Uh, and when it comes out on Blu-ray, I'm going to—you know—it's going to go on the shelf, and with all the others, and it, you know. I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll definitely rewatch when I do my Bond rewatches. I'll, I'll, I'll go through it, and I'll just always know I'm gonna have a lot of fun. But this is the one with a really crappy ending that I don't care for, and take it for what it's worth. Mm. How often do you rewatch Bond? You know, I'm curious. It's, you know, I, you know, every year or so is what yeah, I normally but... would do, and then but with, with no time to die. I mean, I, it was like, okay, it was coming out, you know, they kept pushing the date back. And then at one yeah, point it was yeah. like, okay, April, 2020, I do my rewatch. I'm ready to go. They pushed it back. So I'm like, all right. So I kind of did another rewatch, getting ready for the new date. They pushed it back. Honestly, this time around, I just kind of, I just rewatched the Craigs. And so I, I try, you know, I, 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 every now and then I just like, I'm in the mood for a Bond movie. I sit down, um, you know, I'll start with Dr. No, and then it may be a week or a month, and I'm like, I'm ready for another one. I'll throw in From Russia with Love and just kind of go chronologically whenever I'm in the mood. Yeah, or, um, I'll, do, or I'll do by actor. That's kind of how I how yeah. I do that. That's true, because yeah. one time I was like, you know, I'm in the mood for some Pierce. I'll just sit down and watch the Pierces. Yeah. So... Um, and it's kind of that's probably going to kind of be especially with Craig because the Craig movies are kind of they're unlike all the others they're not really stand you know you kind of have to start with the first one and kind of watch it as a series. I mean yeah you, know, you talk about movies that are you know that's kind of what Marvel's kind of you, you know bring Marvel back into it. That's kind of how Marvel is. You kind of have to see the movies that take place before and they're in you know the big long story arc is a big thing now, especially in the Marvel movies. And it's kind of what they've done with Bond, really, at least in these five. Yeah, but at least, at least they're like at least there are a few at least there are a few years apart, so you're not getting inundated, you know. Right, right. I and mean, in I, the case of this last one, a lot of years apart. Yeah, and then you know, like, like I, I feel like one of the things that happened was like, and I, I was saying this time to my mom, like. When I was a kid, and like with the, with the Star Wars prequel trilogy, it was it was special because Star Wars didn't come out every single. Year. They were it, 
it was like yeah it was it was an event now with like with a new star wars property of some kind coming out it, it doesn't feel and i mean i'm sure you had the same thing with with your kids too where you know star wars was was a big thing but it doesn't really feel that way anymore they were you know they grew up they were my my kids i mean they were born in 97 oh my gosh what are you guys in 97 i was not i was 95 okay i said it was born 97 and one in 2000 they were like they liked the star wars they were but their star wars was lord of the rings those lord of the rings movies to this day they will watch those they don't need an excuse they will sit down and watch that that was like their version of what i grew up with was star wars and james bond they love the lord of the rings movies that's their thing oh wow yeah, so I, I'm curious. I'm I'm curious to know what they what they all think of the, of the Amazon. Oh, my oldest son is already like he says it's going to suck. It's going to be his 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 very opinion is he's like it's they're going to make it woke and it's going to suck. Yeah, I mean I I know that I know that Dennis hates Bordell of Blood, but what I've always said is Bordell Bordell of Blood has a better plot. Even though it's a B movie, it has better plot than a lot of blockbuster. Oh, movies. there's some amazing B and C and D know. movies out there that are just classics. Yeah. See, um, and that's you know when you mentioned the Star Wars there, that's why I don't like the Marvel formula and these other things they're trying to do because it's just simple like economics. The more you have of something, the less valuable it is. It's really that simple. More Star Wars, less valuable and special Star Wars feels. So that's maybe what helps this move in a way you wait so long. It's so many delays. And when you finally got it, you kind of look at it through a different lens. Um, but, yeah, I think that Lord of the Rings thing, I don't know. I think it could be good, but I don't, I don't trust Amazon. They they did okay with the with the Bosch books uh, by Michael Connelly. That was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they've they've really kind of been hit or miss with the with the Prime series. So yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's not so much Amazon. It's like whoever's doing it. You kind yeah. of you hope whoever's whoever's holding the reins. If Peter Jackson was doing this Amazon Lord of the Rings series. I might have a little more faith that it would be something that would be close to Tolkien, but I don't know. I, he, I don't think he has any involvement whatsoever. Um, He's busy be finishing the Beatles group. movie. Let it be. Oh, well, you're, you're a Trekkie too. Aren't, aren't you? I I've seen you on Christian's Star, oh, yeah. Tre- mm-hmm. Star Trek show. So I know that he can't really say anything about new Trek because he's kind of in the industry but I'm I mean sure. I I I think New Trek is kind of I I I tried giving Picard uh a chance I heard it was an oak I mean and and sadly Picard's probably the best thing in my opinion best thing they put out and that's not saying much Yeah Discovery I know is just I know, I know diehard Trek fans that are just stop watching. Like, I know diehard Trek fans that are like, I can't even watch it. Just dropped off and don't watch it anymore. They're a little more 
positive about this new one, Strange New Worlds, because the, the producers are swearing. They're like, we're going back to classic Trek. We're not doing long arcs. We're doing episodic TV. It's as good. We, we're, we, we've heard what you're saying. We're going to make it more classic Star Trek. Whether they do that or not is will, remains to be seen. So I know a few more diehard fans that are look, at least looking forward to, to that one. But most of the other stuff, it's it's an oversaturation. Like they yeah. got hold of it, and they're just churning stuff out now. I, I mean, feel I... sorry for Trekkies because they, I think I guess since uh, Next Generation, they haven't had anything solid since then. It's like you got the original Next Gens, a few movies, but then everything else is just like nothing like what it used to be. They, um, yeah. I mean, the only the only good thing about Picard was that they kind of they kind of brought Will Riker back. That's my favorite episode too. Yeah, when they went back to classic Next Generation, that was that episode I really enjoyed, just because yeah. you know we got Riker and, and Troy back. Well, and, then, and you know, and then that was another series. I won't I won't say the ending. That was another season. If you got made it to the very last episode, how they ended that was, I was like, oh my God, what a crappy ending. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I haven't even seen it, but I, I, Star Trek is one of those things where like, if you spoil it for me, I don't, I don't care, but I'm like, yeah, they made, they did what with Picard? I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's interesting. I heard it's kind of woke. Oh, oh, Sargon was saying. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's so much woke. It's just not that originally written. I mean, good writing can cover a major, uh, you know, a multitude of sins. Right. It's just, again, it's an, it's, it's not, it's not episodic. It's one long story. And quite honestly, some of the middle episodes just get boring. And yeah. I mean, I don't even, to the point you're just like, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> well, that that's, well, the one thing that is interesting about, um, you know, this Bond movie is, is it, it was directed by the guy who did the first season of True Detective. And. Yeah. That's what I, got me hyped for this. Yeah. And I actually thought that, like, he did a pretty good job. Um, except for, again, the fact that they killed Bond, but I'm not really sure if that was even his decision. Um, yeah, I, well, he, he contributed to the script, but I, the longtime writers of Neil Purvis and Purvis and Wade, I know they've been writing the, for the quite a while, going into the back to the Brosnan era, in fact. They've been writing them. And then, yeah, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, the director, came in. He He did a pass at the script, and then they got... Phoebe Waller Bridge in to come in and punch up some jokes and stuff, which which really kind of cons- concerned me because she would you know she was kind of on the Me Too band wagon right. at, at first, but thankfully that that didn't happen. I I don't know. It, whenever someone asks me about Bond, I'm kind of like I'm the sexist misogynist dinosaur from the Cold War that and the M warned you about. So that's mm-hmm. kind of that's my that's my whole approach to things. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, they keep saying they want to update Bond for a new world. That's fine. If you want to update the world of Bond into the 21st century, that's fine. And the social norms and everything, 
but the character has to stay the same. He, yeah. That's what makes him James Bond is that he is a throwback. He's not, he's kind of like your dad's hero. He's always kind of out of step with the times. He's always a little sexist. He's kind of, I mean, even Connery in Goldfinger, when that movie came out, he makes a joke about listening listening to the Beatles without wearing earmuffs. It just shouldn't be done. So even then, he wasn't cool and hip. He wasn't right. listening to all the kids were listening to back then. He was kind of a throwback character, even in the beginning. So always, you know, do what you will. Put him in the sexist Me Too movement world. That's fine. But don't change Bond. That's what makes it interesting, to see Bond in that era, that, you know, yeah. that atmosphere. That's yeah. something Sam and I were talking briefly before you hopped on was... Uh, they kept at least I forget who if it was just critics or if it was even producers or anything. They're like, "Oh, we get to see Bond in the Me Too era," and I'm like, "I didn't see that shit anywhere in the film." I didn't either. Mm-mm. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know what that was all about because I saw so many people saying that, and I'm like, "Where? Literally, where was that? He was just being Bond, and everybody else, frankly, was being closer to what." bond used to be and not where it was going with craig i mean there there were there were some people that were like oh well when bond was crying and begging for mercy i'm like that okay i'm like that's not i'm like that that, i'm like that's not bond being woke that's bond showing his human side which you know like also, he had, literally had a trick up his sleeve. Right. Oh, he yeah. was going for his gun anyway. He was, And that's when the moment, I, at first I was like, why is Bond being a pussy? Like, this is not Bond. But then I thought, no, nah, something's up, something's up, something's up. And the more it went, I was like, okay, yep, they didn't fuck that up good. I mean, if, if you want to see Bond crying, again, going back to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, right. which, I, which I've seen probably at like, five or six times now in my life and that ending still always it gets me i mean no matter how many times i've seen it and that that melody is i mean i i've i've heard like i've heard grown men admit that they get choked up with that yes with that melody. What you will about george lazenby i think he kind of knocks it out of the park in that scene he does a really good job i mean i yeah talk about different bond actors lazenby at times I think for for this being his first movie, I think he knocked it out of the park in that scene. I, yeah, I, I, I do like me some Lazenby. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I, I really wish he had stuck a, stuck around. And I think I think I read like a Playboy interview with him later on where it was like, yeah, I I regret not um, doing another another one. I think it would have been really interesting to see him maybe kind of go in the direction that you know more ended up going and you know with like live and let die i mean everyone's excited that connery came back but if you watch diamonds are forever connery's barely you know he's he's he really phones that performance in it's not dr no or goldfinger he yeah he's out of shape he's out of shape he i mean he literally he, he admits he did it for a paycheck they cut him a $1 million paycheck to do that movie. And he just kind of came back and did it. Um, to his credit, though, he did do- donate the entire pay to- paycheck to charity. So, oh. But um, he just, I mean, he really just phones it in in that movie. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Brosnan's, I mean, I feel like Connery's last Bond movie isn't a Bond movie, but it's it's The Rock. Uh, you know, if, you, if you've 
if you've seen that. That's the one. And I mean, I'm not a I'm not a Nicolas Cage fan. I'm like everyone else, where I like to parody Nick Nicolas Cage. But say what you will, the The Rock is a good movie. Oh, um, I love The Rock. Yeah. For Sean for Sean Connery alone. So. That was something else I was seeing is there were people that were like, oh, this wasn't a Bond movie. But then people are like, no, it's got more of the Bond movie things in it. I kind of see both sides to it because in some ways it isn't like a Bond movie, but in some ways it is more like one than what we've seen recently, which I didn't mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think, you know, we'll have we'll have to revisit this movie, you know, in like in a year or two, just to see how it how it holds up. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this kind of ages. Um, mm. Because like, that's you know, why I was telling people, I was like, I really don't know what I feel about this. Kind of have to wait and see. It's really weird. It's nothing yeah. like I've ever seen before in some ways. Oh, I agree. I'm still I'm still. You know, I'm all over the place with it. I got I got to sit with this one for a while. Yeah, because I think it. I was posted on Facebook. I'm like, I think this might be like the last Jedi of Bond, except it actually has good stuff in it. But in terms of yeah. polarization, it's like that. Where I think you're gonna have people that just love the risks they took, and then people that hate it. But it's definitely a better quality movie. But in terms of polarization, I think it's gonna be similar. Yeah, and, and and I mean Mark Mark is right. The fact that Craig dies in in this one, and we and we now know that that's, I mean that that's going to paint kind of the that's kind of going to paint the you know that that kind of paints him in a new lens now. Kind of like, well, I enjoy Casino Royale, but I know he's going to end up. He's the dying. bomb that dies. That's what yeah. he's been, from here on out. That's his legacy. He's the bond that dies. And yeah. also, and also the fact that like, he never really got over. I mean, I, I guess he never really got over Vesper in, in a way. Um, well, you know. see, I mean, at the end, I mean, he seemed to always get over. It. That's the thing. He seemed to always be getting over her quantum. He drops the necklace. He got over her. Okay. Move on. In Spectre, he, he picks up the videotape of her interrogation. She asks him about it. He just kind of, he's like, oh, well. He tosses it aside. I'm like, oh, he's over her. And then in this one, he goes to her grave and lights the forget, you know, the, the little paper that says forgive me. He lights it and drops it. I'm like, yet again, he's getting <laughs> over her. He seems to always be trying to get over her. Yeah, he he, he says forgive me. And then the, the mausoleum blows up in his right. in his face like, how um, many times can he can the one man get over the same woman over and over <laughs> and over again symbolically get over her which I mean, just... which again the for, the the forgive me thing that kind of was like they've done that before and i've never really understood even in in quantum i mean in in quantum i kind in quantum i forgot i i got the whole thing of you need to forgive her i understood that but like they never, they they never explain what Bond feels guilty about. I I guess is it like for holding a grudge or you know I, I, I don't yeah it's, I don't really in the books her name pops up every now and then but he's in the books he's gotten over her yeah fact, and Casino Royale the book ends 
the last line of the book is, is the bitch him is talking dead. to him and he's like yeah the bitch is dead and that's where it ends and then the movies kind of took it a little further and yeah. tried to give a redemption and, uh, arc and everything and yeah which is fine but they just keep going back to that well I mean the the books do kind of have a chronology of their of their own but at least at least Thunderball through uh you only live twice. Um you know that's that's the spectral trilla. Yeah, and it kind of leaks over because well, you only live twice, the novel ends with him going to that island, like they did in No Time to Die. And interestingly enough, when he kills Blofeld. Uh, it blows up or something. He's presumed dead. They think Bond died on that island, which is interesting because they literally have killed him off in this one. In that book, though, they th- he's missing and presumed dead at the end of You Only Live Twice. Then we find out, like, he got amnesia. He went off with this Japanese girl, actually had a kid, impregnated this woman and had a son. And then when he recall, he gets his memory back. And then Man with a Golden Gun, the last Ian Fleming novel, has him come kind of coming back into the service. He's been reprogrammed to assassinate M. He's been brainwashed. And that it kind of opens up with him trying to kill M. And a bulletproof glass comes down and he fails. And then they have to kind of deprogram him. And then he goes off on an, a, a brand new mission. Um, so, so I forget. When did, when did Fleming die and when did... Was Gardner the direct successor? Because I know that, like... No, he... Um, he died... Fleming died writing the his last novel, uh, Man with the Golden Gun. It had to be finished later. Um, and then they wanted to do more Bond books after his death. The idea was they were going to... Oh, uh, let's see here. They were going to start a new Bond series... And they were going to get a pseudonym, Robert Markham. And they were going to have different authors come in and write. So then they wrote this book, Colonel Sun, by Kingsley Amos, writing as Robert Markham. And he wrote one book, and that was it. So it kind of sat on the shelf for a few years. Then Gardner came in and wrote, you know, a dozen or so books. So there was like, between Gardner and Fleming, there was uh, a one-off book. And then, of course, after Gardner, then Raymond Benson took over, and then we had a bunch of one-offs again. And now it looks like Horowitz is going to stick with Anthony Horowitz is going to stick with it because his third book comes out next year. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I I know that because I know that like Fleming at one point actually wanted to kill off the character, mm-hmm. um, and then didn't. But he's smart enough not to. Well, and I well, and <laughs> I I. I've heard various rumors as to why that was, why he ended up not killing him, um, which isn't, which is interesting. One was, yeah, because um, from Russia with love ends with him supposedly killed. Yeah, and then, you know, the the, I mean, the movies, the broccoli, the broccoli's kind of talked him out of killing off Bond, and um, then they did it. <laughs> yeah, years later. Yeah, the, the Broccoli's talking about killing Bond, and then so did Hugh Hefner, actually, since he was publishing Bond, at least the short stories in Playboy. 
so that was another thing but um yeah it's it's uh i mean fleming's life in and of itself is pretty interesting from what i've from what i've read and i i did yeah. watch that documentary on him so. yeah yeah but i've seen that one too he's really interesting and that's you know another sort of thing i've always wanted to dive into was the novels but never gotten a chance one thing that we forgot to mention though real quick is what did we think of the theme song by billy eilish mm. uh, i thought it was not as good as skyfall but way better than writing on the wall from specter I agree, yeah. and and yet I still really don't like her theme. Like I really don't it's like. It's not Ranzo. outstanding. It's nothing memorable. It's not like me singing around humming, you know, Goldfinger or something. I I thought it was, it was okay. It wasn't. As, I mean, Riding on the Wall to me is the worst Bond song ever. Um, but yeah, it wasn't as I you know, know it, memorable. As some of the other ones. It's the thing that kills me about Riding on the on the Wall was the fact that Radiohead was initially going to do the theme the theme song for Spectre and it's it's actually out there you can listen to it and it's way it's way better than what writing on the wall had and in, in my in my opinion at least um I'm it's not writing big... on the wall the first few seconds I'm like ooh let's go and then he starts singing I'm like no no <laughs> That's literally my reaction to when I first heard it. I was like, what were they thinking? Yeah. I I really, I I don't like, I really can't get into any of Billie Eilish's music. I, I know that she's <laughs> supposed to be the new hot thing in music. And maybe, Mark, I don't know, I don't know what type of music your two sons are in, into, they... but... No, I they knew who, I had no clue who she was when they announced Billie Eilish is doing the song. I, my first reaction was, Who the hell's Billie Eilish? And then, um, yeah, I had to ask my kids who she was. And then I, I like went on YouTube and watched a couple of her songs that music videos. And I was like, Um, okay, <laughs> this is not my t- type of music. But and then, then when I was actually, it was weird. I was for some, I was in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and I, I knew that they were. They popped the, it. Came, it hit iTunes. I remember the day it hit iTunes, and somehow I got a cell signal in Mexico, and I downloaded it and popped my headphones in and listened to it. I was like, "All right, it's 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 not horrible, um, but you know, it's it's better than the last one was." So. Yeah, it's not it's not horrible, but it, it feels like a Billie Eilish. Like from what I've heard of her music, it feels more like her music as opposed to like a Bond theme song. That I think is the problem with it because I've listened to most of her music. I'm not a fan of her. I do appreciate what her brother does um, because he's he writes all the music like they do it together. But he's clearly the brains behind her music and she even like admits that she hates writing songs and he writes everything so much better. But I listen to her music and it's very, very simple, which I kind of appreciate. But it's got this kind of depressing, low voice mood to it, which there's a style to it. But I think when applied to Bond, it doesn't work. 
And in the context of this movie, I get it, but it it just doesn't really work for me. It it, it, it the song really doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. It does much. It's a little too simplistic. It's a little too meh. Her singing isn't that great, honestly. She really doesn't sing. I don't want to say she does. She can't sing, but she really doesn't sing well. And I mean, I, I generally, generally, I think, oddly enough, I think the best Bond themes are usually sung by women. I think it's just more appropriate for the franchise. Oddly enough, I'm not saying the men can't do it well because there have been some great ones, but usually the ones sung by the women tend to be the best. But hers just isn't. It's really low for me. It just. I don't think she was the right choice. I honestly, I know they wouldn't have done this, but I, I think the better way would have been to just bring Adele back, do her for the final one with Craig. That would have been perfect. Yeah, I mean they did that with Shirley Bassey. You know they brought her back for two, I think. Three. Yeah. So, three. Yeah. Yeah. Diamonds so, Are Forever, Moonraker, and Goldfinger. So why not do the same with with Adele? I mean, I, you... yeah, I think that would have been a good sort of like way of who, if anybody to bring back in a modern era, I think she'd be the one I would pick because her theme, I, I think is the best one since Goldeneye and it works very well with the Bond, that particular Bond movie, but also just as a Bond theme overall while still keeping it kind of a deli. Yeah, although I actually like the theme for The World is Not Enough, but that's... Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. Shit, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's just me. The music video for that is is weird as... Is... You know, I like that music video. It's kind of Bondy. It's It's very Bond-themed. Yeah. So I kind of... I do like that music video. Yeah. And and Shirley Manson it was a was the looker back back in the day, too. Um, but yeah, so I mean, overall, I think I guess one final question is, how do you feel like Craig ranks in general um, as Bond? Now that we've kind of ended his tenure, I'm I'm. I I went from like he was my second favorite Bond to like now I'm kind of mixed on him now as a result of just kind of everything. Hmm. I tried to have two sort of ways of looking at it as there's the who plays it and that's kind of its own rating, but then also who plays it plus their movie quality. And Honestly, I kind of like if I were to say just as who is Bond, I'd put Connery, Moore, um, Pierce, and Craig all in the same tier for me as I like them all almost equally. I think the only one I'd put a little bit above is Connery for obvious reasons, but all of them, they're great for me. I can't pick one over the other for the most part. That's pretty much in the, in the, because Sam asked me that in our last episode, and I, I'm always kind of like, my favorite Bond is generally the Bond I'm watching at the moment because I, I'm such a huge fan. Um, I, but I do love me some Timothy Dalton, though. I love me some Timothy Dalton. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's and it kind of stands. I don't, it's, you know, all my Bonds are kind of like, 
I have yet to have a bad one. Sometimes they do a movie that's maybe not the greatest, but yeah, I yeah, complaints so far. Um, yeah, and I mean, as far as me, I I still think that overall, I mean, I think Pierce will still probably be my like, I guess, gun to my head. Who's my favorite is probably going to be to be Pierce, and that's just because I kind of feel like he can do serious and he can do. Uh, lighthearted at the at the same time um i feel like i feel like craig as bond was a good bond and like even even quantum solace i feel like i feel like quantum solace could have been good they just did things i guess writing wise and structure wise with how they executed it that was really bad I, I i i like the concept just the execution was um wrong so well, they were in the middle of the writer's strike and i think craig even had to write some of the script like it, it's wacky yeah and so i mean craig i feel like got the most high and you know low disproportionate uh movies but yeah i mean i think you know he'll be he'll be bond he'll certainly be one that lots of people talk out now especially now that he's the bond that ended up dying so mm-hmm. his, his is... bonds are like windows releases it's good it's bad it's good it's bad like that's kind of how it goes i think this is the one that kind of breaks it maybe i think time will only tell because i think yeah. some people will look back and they'll be like that was a genius move that was like the one time you could kill him and you did it bold move and then people are going to be like other people be like nah it's pointless why the hell did you do it? Like, I think that's how people will look at it, either one of those ways. It will always be polarized. Now, I don't think there's ever going to come a time where everybody agrees that was great or that was awful. The other the other thing, thing, thing to now is with someone brought this point up to when when Craig became Bond, we didn't have the iPhone or any really like smart phone or smart device as we think now and someone brought up the point that now with like with kind of modern era it's harder to do the do the gadgets for bond because so many things that would have been considered bond like gadgets 20 years ago are now kind of commonplace so it'll be interesting to see you know and craig kind of oversaw that more or less i guess so Mm. In a weird way, it'll be interesting to see like where they go, kind of with Bond traditions in the future. You know, if they if they do always, any of that. I always thought the best gadgets in the Craig era were the throwback gadgets, the, yeah. the machine guns on the Aston Martin, the watch that does something. It's always been kind of the throwback ones that I always thought were the best. Yeah, um, because yeah, most of the stuff is you know, heck, we have, you know. Back then in Moonra or uh, was it Octopussy when uh, Q was showing Bond that hey, there's a little TV on this watch here, and now it's like everybody has that, everybody can watch TV on their watch now. I uh, I, I do like Q's throw my line, and I think it is uh, like I think it's either Skyfall or Spectre where he goes, Were you expecting an exploding pen? We don't really go in for that sort of thing any anymore. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know, kind of like a nice little nod to to Golden. 
to Goldeneye. So although, although I, I would love to have it like a gadget like that somewhat. I think I think an exploding pen would kind of be interesting to have. Yeah. So. So and I I think just kind of from a fashion standpoint, Craig was one of the was one of the better dress bonds, I think. Too. They're all dressed pretty well, actually, because from what I understand, they they go through a lengths of getting the perfect suit fit perfectly for each one, like even more perfectly than you could say tailored suits are. Like yeah. they go through extra lengths, and you know it's. I, what I did like about him though is that he seemed to have more of a variety of clothing. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it seems just to me that he seemed to have more of a variety of what he was wearing given the situation. Yeah. So, and I, 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 I did like kind of, I did like the throwback to kind of like the '50s SAS you know, type uniform that they did for this last one that it on the island. That was, that was kind of cool. Oh yeah. Um, but all right, gentlemen. So, uh, any final thoughts or. No, I would just encourage everybody to see it. Honestly. Yeah. Why at, not? At, this is the last at, one. Well, at this point, if you haven't seen it, sorry, we just, ins- we just yeah. spoiled <laughs> the entire movie um that is one thing it'll be it'll be interesting as more people as more people see this i mean i think kind of the the spoiler window you know the no spoilers window is closing fast i think it'll be interesting as more pe- people see it you know what what other people's reactions will be oh, I think... like this weekend i've been going on facebook and there are certain bond facebook pages you know, they say no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. People are spoiling it left and right. I can't yeah. believe they killed Bond. I can't believe... Like, it's out there. You, you really have to stay off social media at this point if you don't want to get spoiled on it because it's everywhere. Yeah. I'm shocked I didn't get spoiled. I think it's because I was so busy with other stuff. But I was like, when I came out of the movie, I'm like, this is like the biggest thing that ever happened. And I didn't even know about it. Like, how did I not get spoiled? I got spoiled that Luke died. This one... Didn't get it. I was very lucky. People were people were tr- people were trying to spoil it for me. People were like, were like tagging me in and something. I I I almost saw like a tweet where it's like Bond it got and I di- dies and I'm like nope. I'm I'm swiping that notification away mm. <laughs> away. Um, but yeah, I mean I I feel like everyone kind of did a good job. Um, you know, with not spoiling it. I. I don't know, Mark. I know that Mark and I were supposed to do, do a black cast for for this too, and I don't know if like Christian has even seen it yet or anything like that. He, did. he texted me salt last night. I think. I'm 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 curious to know what his what his reaction uh, to to this stuff. I don't think he's as big of a, of a Bond fan as we are. I think we're kind of the Dennis mm-hmm. Miller. Bond aficionados, but um, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, I think I'm more curious to see what other people's reactions were to this. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for both your time, and um, Mark, we'll have to chat about you know Planet of the Apes or some other franchises 
coming up here soon and uh keep in touch we will yeah absolutely so and then sean uh i mean you but you gentlemen both have podcasts so do you guys want to plug uh your stuff versa media tonight in about an hour and 15 minutes we'll be streaming again on versa media youtube every saturday 9 30 p.m unless something shit's going down it's always streaming so and then and then Mark, I know you saw Planet of the uh, Apes. Oh, let me let me get the camera here. I don't know if you can see it there. That's the oh, Planet shit. of the Apes section. That's for uh, podcast of the Apes, Planet of the Apes fan podcast. There's my little Planet of the Apes wing of the uh, museum down here. Nice. Have you considered doing a Bond podcast or a Bond you YouTube? Know, I've kicked it around only only because there's so many out there. Um. I was like, I, you know, there was, I really, like, uh, as opposed to, like, Planet of the Apes, there's really not. James Bond, there's so many James Bond podcasts out there. I would have to come up with an angle that would be kind of original. Yeah, I, uh, I was tempted to do, to do one, like, a year ago, but they were all, they were already kind of, they're already out there. So I'm like, yeah, if one, I'm like, if, if one of the other Bond podcasts wants to invite me on or something. There's a lot then, out there, yeah. You know, but I, I tend to like to do one-off shows kind of like this, where we talk about Bond. So, but anyway, gentlemen, uh, thank you for your time, and thanks to everyone for watching, and we'll talk down the road. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming, and thanks to the audience for watching. So, Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash Report. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order. <laughs>